Pulp MX Network production. Thanks for all the support, Pulp MX fans. The Pulp MX app is now available for both iPhone and Android-based phones. For all your moto needs, shop at btosports.com and use the current discount code PULPMX. And don't forget to click the Amazon banner on PULPMX.com when purchasing anything from Amazon. It's the Steve Mathis Show, brought to you by RacerX, presented by BTOSports.com and ThorMX. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome to the BTOSports.com RacerX podcast presented by Thor MX. Listen to the commercials. Save big at BTOSports.com and, of course, Thor MX, uh, the choice of champions everywhere like Martin Davalos, among others. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Steve Mathis. With me uh, in, the, in the studio, uh, right not far from the Lions Den, is uh, my boss, uh, Jason Wygant. Weege, what's up? What's the Lions Den? It's just close by where the... Strip uh, club? Yeah, it's close by the actual Lions Den at the MGM. So the actual li- oh the den with actual lions yeah, the real lions den I think that's the first time I've ever heard the term lions den referring to an actual lions den <laughs> instead of being yeah man caves right, strip clubs right uh, octagons yeah good point you're squared right. circles um, in WWF terms uh, but yeah you're here in Vegas in studio um, enduro cross was last night you're mm-hmm. in town for that doing the webcast for that um, Teddy Bel- Taddy Belzuziak Mike Brown tied in points. Um, going into the last round, and um, you were calling the action. It got pretty, got pretty exciting. I mean, they, they they both fell fourteen times. Yeah, sometimes on each other. It actually lived up to yes. like what you always want those battles to be like, and they never materialized. Right. They were tied in points, and at one point, laying on top of each other on the ground, being run over by other riders. <laughs> How much better can it get? Right. Yeah. No, it was awesome. Eventually, though, uh, did but, the crowd realize it? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, everyone was pretty excited for sure, and everybody knew what was going on. The uh, it was just nuts. It was just nuts. Yeah, it was. I, I, eventually, Taddy got up, uh, put some time on Brownie. Brownie fell down in the water. Yeah. Went down in the water, worst possible spot. Enduro Cross, I always tell everybody, like, it's pretty exciting. I mean, it's yeah. got its moments where it, I feel like the program is a little too long. And I don't know if they're all like that because Vegas is the finals. So. It seemed wor- this track was longer and uh, more guys got stuck. It was harder. So it definitely dragged on worse. I don't remember it seeming this long and this bad mm-hmm. uh, normally. But, yeah, the show kind of – the main event was awesome. But yes. you're saying the yeah. beginning to end was a little bit much. But it's still a really exciting race to go see. And the tickets aren't very expensive. And, like, you know, they go all over the country. Next year they're going to Atlanta. I guess yeah. they're expanding. Yep. People should check it out. Yeah, it's cool. Um, and uh, you know what it reminds me of? I think that the reason it seems long at times is, you know, just like Supercross, you can't – you just can't make the main event an hour long. It just doesn't work. Yeah. It, the guys will get tired. No, they won't, no. Yeah. I read on the message board. They need to make longer rate, longer yeah. main events. Yeah. That's, that's what we're missing. Longer is not. Well, Supercross, maybe you could – I can even see that argument there. But here, the guys would have a heart attack if they had to do yeah. Yeah. Uh, a 30-minute. Like, they're just yeah. exhausted. Brown's, Brown was worked last night by the end of the race. I mean, he had nothing left. Yeah, they are – I mean, you know what it's like to go ride. Like, when you do, like, a really gnarly trail ride in the mud and you're falling down yeah. and picking your bike up and pushing it. They're just done yeah. at the end of it. They can't go any – so they can't make them ride any longer. And it reminds me of what you and I never got to – I don't believe – you You never went to a Supercross before 1985 when they had 125 class, right? 
No, no, no my first, first ever was 80, Super Miami, 89. Right? 89, right. yeah. Yeah, my first one I ever went to was 87. So I never have seen what was Supercross like before they had a support class. What, what was it, like an hour long? Yeah, I, I don't know. Four yeah, heat I have races, no idea. right? I don't know. Yeah. And four heat races and maybe three semis to stretch it out or right, something. Right, yeah, yeah. But that's the issue. They, they, you don't want to have an hour-long show. You're charging people money to come. Right. But then they have to put in amateurs and vet and a women's class and the hot laps thing and to just give you your yeah. money's worth. But it's not – those parts aren't the greatest. No, it, uh, it did drag at times. Um, but overall, the main event might have made up for it. That was pretty, pretty gnarly exciting. Yeah. Daddy Bluzuziak defending his title. Mike Brown – but at this point, like Mike Brown, sure, he lost the title. But isn't he just a winner? In general, isn't Mike Brown just a winner? If you're anybody but Mike Brown, you would think so. Right. But um, I figured he was super pissed, and then he was super pissed. Like after, I went over to the K-10 the race, truck, yeah, and they're like, yeah. yeah, don't even bother looking for him. Don't even bother. He's out. Yeah. I, he's probably just, I don't know. I mean, he's in Vegas, so there's, there's plenty of places to drown in your sorrows and whatnot. <laughs> so I guess conveniently located if you're pissed off. It's, um, yeah, it was something else. And also, too, um, uh, the KTM guys. The whole team, the whole uh, Endurocross team is all of the off. Don't forget, it's the KTM off-road team, which unfortunately had to deal with the death of Kurt Caselli this week. Um, so those guys, it had to be like such a turnaround. The, the, oh, one of yeah. the, the leaders of the sport, one of the icons in the off-road community dies on a uh, Monday? It was Friday. Some, oh, Friday. Friday night, yeah. Friday. And then literally uh, seven days later, you know, you have to turn all that off and somehow, you know, prepare for battle for your two guys. Yeah, and having two teammates – tied for the points lead so that's enough of an emotional stressful thing i mean yeah. we've talked about how you know the problems that honda had with canard and barsha this year that was just race to race that wasn't them tied yeah. for yeah. the supercross title in the la- can you imagine what that was like right then you have someone die yeah a week early like what a- again they're in vegas they must just be puddles <laughs> of emotion right now like right w- and i talked to andy the team manager about uh, having the two guys going for the title and mm-hmm. how that works. They had it in GNTC a few weeks ago also, same situation. And he's like, first... They were, were they tied, Russell and... Uh, it was a two-point okay, lead, two so points, whoever yeah, whoever right. finished ahead yeah. was one of those deals. And he's like, yeah, you really have to ration your time. You know, if you spend 20 minutes talking to one guy, you have to walk away because you might not get 20 minutes with the other guy all day, and you don't want to talk to one guy for 40 minutes right, and right. one guy for 20. You have to mark all that. And then he's like, you have to warn the team when the night's over... Someone's going to be happy. Someone's going to be mad. So you have to be careful about how much you celebrate. Yep. Because yeah. you'll be celebrating in the face <laughs> yeah. of the dude who exactly. lost. Yeah. Quite complicated. Yeah, yeah, Brownie, woo! Yeah, yeah, get yeah. in on this. Yeah, Brownie, come here! I didn't see Brown on the podium holding up the number one yeah. with the number one plate. I no, didn't see him in no. that picture. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like, hey, talking about the teammates thing, I mean, one of the things that I spoke to, uh, I did a, a feature in Racer X on, uh, on teammates, and... I'd heard there was some tension in the Honda camp this year. Yeah. Because one rider was always getting talked to first. Yep. When the come and I spoke to Dan Bentley and he was like, It's just I walk whatever the first entrance is back from the truck, who's ever the first bike is there, I stop there. He didn't he even didn't, realize. He didn't think about it. Yeah. But it was brought to his attention. Yeah. You know, hey, why do you always talk to that guy first? And he's like, I, I don't know. I just come into the first entrance. Yeah. From the track and the first bike I see. And however the parking configuration has been, it's been one rider. Yep. And so uh, Dan was like, yeah, wow, I have, to, I, told, I, have to, I have to be careful. I told Auntie, the team manager, about that. Oh, yeah. And he said, yeah, it can work. Um, uh, they have a whole procedure, like what he, the team manager does at the start. Like, 
you know, he'll talk to each guy, and then everyone in the team has to go away, and it has to just be rider and mechanic only. Because the mechanics are allowed to be biased. Yeah. They're specifically for the rider. Right. And everyone else is not allowed to go near them because you could end up with three guys at one dude and only two at the other and, and all that stuff. So they have to talk to the rider before the race, and then when they go to the starting line, everyone needs to clear out and not go near them to not make it seem like the team is rooting for one guy or the other. And <laughs> he has to tell everybody in the team, like, if you come in from practice and you figure out a setting that works – we are going to tell the other guy. Yeah, that's just the way it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow, and and it's it's surprising that Dan Bentley of all people would not think about this because yeah, he was involved. Of course, he was the biased mechanic for Jeff Stanton. Yes, he was involved in a factory team that actually benched a rider who said he would not help another team rider. Do you think it was different because uh, they he that was always box van era, correct? Yeah, yeah. Did that help? Yeah, for sure, or hurt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, right. for driving the wedge, it made it more so. But like, maybe yeah. it wasn't. Maybe you didn't have to work as hard to try to treat them equal because they weren't in the same truck. Yeah, and you you wouldn't have that who parked in front of who, whose locker is in front of who, because they're separate. Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah. yeah, I guess. I don't know. I know that it was. Like I said, can you imagine now if uh, Mitch Payton benched uh, uh, Martin Davalos because he wouldn't help out yeah. Adam Cirillo? There's so much stuff I just wish. In fact, that's what we should do podcasts on. We should just pretend these are the th- all these crazy things that have happened didn't get flushed out. There wasn't an internet. There wasn't this yeah, type of show. Right. So we'll just act. We like should it. just do it yeah. now. Can yeah. you believe JMB wouldn't help Kurdowski? Stan obviously <laughs> knocked him down. Yeah, yeah. Right, oh, right. Man, it'd be good. Oh, it'd be yeah. Definitely for back then we'd we'd be uh, we'd be in touch. Um, hey, and then also too uh, the Kurt Caselli thing. You wrote a great column uh, on Racer X. I met him a couple times. Uh, yep. Always friendly guy, really nice guy. But yeah. I, certainly, you dealt with him, Kurt, a little more. Yeah, and I don't think I'm going to say a tremendous amount. I mean, uh, it didn't have the impact on me personally, like I'm sure it had a lot of people here on the West Coast that mm-hmm. truly knew him as a friend. I mean, yes, I've worked with him. Yes, I've interviewed him. Yes, I'd say hi. We recognize each other. But you know, I'm not going to claim for one second that I was as tight as him as yeah. a lot of the people that that race in in these races out here in the West. But I did know him well enough, and I I knew. Honestly, it was one of those things where. Uh, I covered GNTC in the East, and you'd always hear people talk about how awesome Kirk Caselli was, and it's one of those deals where it actually makes you think like, oh, yeah, that guy's so cool. Yeah, yeah I'm sure he's awesome. Right. Why does everybody love this dude? Right. Then you actually meet him, and you're like, oh, I see why he really is a good dude. Yeah. Um, and I only wrote that because on Racer X, you know, we really just cover motocross, so I figured a lot of people literally didn't know, like, what specifically did he win? Right. I mean, you know how it works. It's just like, oh, I know that guy races off-road. I don't and, know what yeah, series. I know, I know he's good at it or whatever. What titles right, did he win? Right. So that's really the reason I did that at first, and I kind of put the anecdote in there. But this weekend I was allowed, allowed to uh, able to get some info on what, for the most part, went down. They don't have it all figured out yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but it sounds like a lot of the rumors that are out there are just like way off right, of right, the way this right. really went down. I, I, you know, I talked to the team guys, and what they surmise is I believe he hit an animal and then went into a tree, and that's what did it. And yeah. and it was internal damage. It wasn't a head injury. Yeah. And they, as internal injuries go, this weird thing, he didn't really have any – had not a scratch on him, right, which is right. how these you know internal right. bleeding and or whatever it might have been might have worked. Yeah, yeah. Or you, you know, if your heart takes a hard hit, yeah, right. you can rip something in there and – No one just, even sees yeah. it. Yeah. So I don't – and I think out of respect to the family, I don't think they're ever going to bother publishing the full details right. of whatever it was internally – uh, we know what we need to know. But there was a small window there where the chopper had to go refuel. Well, that's, that's what the, that's the killer here. That's the freaky thing. And, and excuse I think the that's bad what, reference. Yeah, good job. <laughs> good job, Steve. Yeah. Um, Words were never my strong point. Apparently. So, 
uh, obviously, it's bad enough to, to, to lose someone under any circumstances, especially these circumstances. And I think what makes it even worse is, um, yeah, they, they say their helicopter, the way Baja works, they're usually following the rider most of the time. But a helicopter can only fly, they said, about two and a half hours mm-hmm. for it to refuel. So a couple times during the race to need to refuel. The time that takes, they estimate the rider can ride 20 miles, that he's basically going to be unsupervised. So they're nervous during those 20 yeah. miles. Not like something like this is going to happen, but they just know if the bike breaks down, yeah. they're not going to be able to help. Yeah. So it was during probably the last time that was going to happen because they were getting close to the finish. Mm-hmm. And I guess the nowadays the series has actually taken a lot of steps to increase the safety, including a GPS system that's on a tracking device on all the bikes. And for whatever reason, that, I guess, tracking system was off by a few miles. They couldn't pinpoint exactly where it was. So they spent they refuel the helicopter they get back in the air they can't find them they go through the whole two and a half hours of fuel again still not able to wow, find him. Yeah, yeah. the tracking device is off it's the middle of the night uh they eventually get the chase truck which is now all the way at the finish because it was only within 40 miles chaser gets to drive back which takes a while too so it was hours of trying to find him now who knows if they had found him in two minutes right it might not have right. mattered but Jeez, that goes They're, against a lot of the stories that were out there about other oh, him getting people back finding up and riding. Oh, yeah, or other that's, people finding him. Or... Yeah, that's not – he definitely – if it took hours, it definitely wasn't the second-place team that yeah, we had heard yeah. found him. No, right. they said it was – eventually they kind of put out the APB to everyone involved in the race to help. Yep. And he was found by someone that they didn't even really know. I guess someone involved in the race, but not yeah. a, a team they were racing. Yeah, right, right. And as far as the idea – we had heard the story, what, that he got up and rode again? Yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's not possible because – the riders now have a – and the drivers have a button that they can hit if they have a mechanical problem. They hit this button to say, I have a mechanical problem. I'm okay. The button they can hit to say, I'm injured, but it's not life-threatening. And they have like a red button that is like extreme SOS. Yeah. So obviously – Pull your mic up a little all bit. All right. Yeah. It's the uh, cord here that's getting me. It's like, it's like Kenny Watson dealing yeah, with Kenny all Watson right. all over. I feel like that's all you're ever doing on the show is telling people to hold the thing closer, <laughs> your producers. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. he would have hit the button. If he rode, yeah. At all. If he had been able to get up from this animal, so attack. There's a chance that no matter if they had the helicopter there at the time or not, it might not have mattered. But you just right. know that they it are was, always going to wonder. It was just a an, uh, mistake after mistake or fluke after fluke yes. after fluke yes. that well, it's like contributed to this. Yeah. Which only makes the guilt worse, but who's to say that that even would have done anything? I mean, it right. could have been yep. the crash right then and there. It might not have mattered, right, but right. those poor guys. I don't know I, how they got ready for an enduro cross. In, I, I don't know. I mean, days. obviously everyone was, I mean, you know that the family and everyone that knows him is going to be absolutely distraught and destroyed over this. Then to know that they, were, they can even feel like, could we have done this or could we have done that? Man, yeah. that's just, that's the worst of the worst. I mean, honestly... Why and and again, this comes from a very limited knowledge. Why are we racing in Baja? Yeah. Like, okay, Danny Hamel died, uh, another great off-road mm-hmm. rider um, at Baja yep. in the early '90s. I believe Cowie pulled out after that. They were done. Yeah. Um, Honda's won 16 years in a row. Yamaha doesn't do anything. KTM's challenged it. Yeah. Um, and to be to be honest, like. The GNCC series and, and the works, although not so much anymore, but the works when it was you know really raging, mm-hmm. um, maybe enduro even series, those are followed. I feel like Baja. I mean, is it going to sell you bikes? Uh, what are we doing it for? It seems highly dangerous. 
Yeah. Uh, Not so much the driving of the trucks, the trucks right. I get, but the, the, the motorcycles. Yeah, there is still. And, and the money involved. Like, oh, to think they have helicopters. Think of how much money that costs. We're, right. you know, we're, uh, you know, Supercross and Motocross is suffering. And you can only imagine that you, you're, you're tied in with the GNCC. Those guys are hurting. Yes. You know, there's no yeah. money there. They're and so it just trickles down. That's what it was, yeah. But yet for Baja, the manufacturers can somehow find this. I don't know, hundreds of thousands of dollars? If there's helicopters involved. Right. And and they pre-run for like two weeks. Yeah. Man. So why are we, I mean, I guess it's easy for me to say, but why are we doing this? Like, it's, I don't get it. My only guess is. I don't is, feel like they even blow up the winning team that much. Like, I don't feel like you really hear about, you know, like, obviously Honda's won all those years in a row. I don't feel like. Did you know that? Right. Uh, I knew they had dominated, but I didn't know. Yeah. I couldn't name you Johnny Campbell. That's all I can name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's it. Well, I know who was on the team this year. Timmy Wygand. Oh. I mean, of course, I'm yeah, going to remember that. Yeah, that's your guy, right. Yeah. Uh, me. Oh, I'm about to watch the uh, Cowboys beat the Giants. Oh, uh, Weege, right there in front of you. That's okay. My uh, Raiders just gave up a touchdown with, you know. Well, what are you going to do? You can't stop a team at the end of a game. Mm. You just cannot. They no. will just go down the yeah, field. Yeah, they just absolutely. will go down the nope. field. Uh, Anyways, yeah, I don't know what we're doing. But, that, I mean, again, I guess I'm pretty ignorant towards the whole thing. But I'd always heard uh, that for the Japanese, Baja held some special... Uh, mystique more for the Japanese bosses than maybe yeah. the ones here, but obviously the American teams are the ones that are going to be deployed to race it. Yeah, the KTM thing obviously doesn't fit that because they're not a Japanese company. The only theory I can come up with is I think KTM has pretty much said we are out to dominate any form of off road. Yeah, yeah. We are now going to do rally. We are now going to do Baja. We're not just going to be enduro. If there's off road motorcycle racing, we are going to win it. Yep. and that's all I can gather. Yeah, as far as bike sales. I don't think or anyone even, even knows who wins. Or even publicity yeah. or anything. You know? I don't think anyone even knows who wins. I know. It's crazy. I don't know. I guess, yeah. I mean, whatever. Yeah. Um, they did say, uh, as I already mentioned, that ironically, it has gotten much safer and much better organized in the last two years. Uh, this is really going to put a black eye on it for yeah, sure. Right. But they said it's kind of unfortunate that they did take a lot of steps to make it better. They just didn't happen to work under these circumstances. Even the rumor of that it was a booby trap that he hit. Yep. He said they really have like a PR and marketing campaign down there to convince the fans to be respectful. And he says that the, the KTM people say that the booby traps, it's much less of a problem than it ever was. That it used to be, yeah. So as much as you think Mexico and, the drug booby traps are, and all this stuff. The booby yeah. traps are jumps, basically. Yeah, they're not really out to harm the rider. They want right. to see the rider get air, which yeah. could harm them. But yeah, they're not uh, ditches. Ninety percent of the time, from what I understand, they're not ditches with spikes in them. Or yeah, you know? yeah, they're right. actually just jump. Locals build jumps. So they said, like now they have tracking devices in the riders, which you need to have. They have fewer booby traps. A lot of things are better. Yeah, but this still happened, and you know it's going to make everybody question it more than ever. Man, well, props to the KTM guys for even pulling that through. Like yeah, even, even managing to get to the race. You I, know? I can't imagine. I mean, Brown was on yes, that team. Right. He was the one of the three riders. Yeah. I, I can't even imagine yeah. that. And then seven days later, Brownie, you're going to race a uh, enduro cross for the title. Yeah, man. Just a bad deal all around. Um, and, and that the Caselli family. I mean, his dad died not that long ago. Um, I mean, a couple of years ago yeah. now, but that's still fairly fresh. Yeah. Uh, he had just gotten engaged in September. Uh, just bad deal all around, man. And not like it's. Ever good. Right, yeah. yeah you never go, as, ah, this guy died, but ah, it's a good time for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? Um, I will never, I will never personally subscribe to the, you know, at least they died doing what they love. Like, I love motocross, man. Yeah. But I don't love it that much. I don't want to die on a motorcycle. I'm good, bro. 
Yeah, yeah. It's I I tweeted that this week because uh, what else do you say? And it is an easy way to. It's, it's, a, a, it's a good a cliche, way to make yourself, it's yes, a cliche. It makes you feel better for sure. Right, right. And I'm not sure. I mean, Kurt was an adventurous guy. Like he. He could he have just it. stuck with he one did. series and won it over and over. He wanted to race rally. Yeah, he wanted yeah. to race Baja. He wanted to race in Europe. He wanted to do this stuff. Yeah. So there's a chance that. Well, I think I think when you knew you're, what you were getting into. Like I don't yeah. think anybody swings your leg over at the Enduro Cross and goes, you know what, I could die tonight. Right. I don't think that's, that's not even a risk remotely. No. But I, I, you can't tell me that uh, Kirk Caselli, Mike Brown, and these guys aren't realizing at Baja this might happen. I could die. I could very easily die right to, in this race. Right. Yeah, they signed you know, up for it for sure. Right. Right. Sure. I, I think you would have to come to terms with that somehow. Ab- absolutely. I, mean, I would think you would, anyways. At some There's point. no way you can't. There's and no I think Supercross, you, you would too. I think Supercross and Motocross, you could. Yeah. I think you're doing the same thing. I think you're like, hey, I could. You know. Really. I mean, not as much as Baja, but I think you have to think about it. I think I don't you think, think you th- about catastrophic injury, but I don't know about okay. fatality. Because uh, it hasn't happened really almost ever, or it's very yeah, rare at it, that level. Right, right. But uh, Baja, I mean, you definitely got to make peace like that way, I feel. But you're right, it is a cliche thing to say. I don't know, it just bothers me because to me, it doesn't, it doesn't make it any better however you went, man. So to my, me, it's just as tragic. My tweet bothered you? Luckily, I didn't read your tweet, thing, which yeah. I say that for many reasons. <laughs> you would have definitely came down on me. Yeah. Um, hey, um, so you do the webcast for Enduro Cross. Um, how? And I don't even know why they got you to do this job. To be honest, I don't know how they just. Oh, I'll tell you why. What? Uh, they had someone else I think planned to do it. They f- they had one here in May before the Supercross. Was it Ralph? No, I don't know. Who- I think it might have been Cameron Steele. Definitely not Ralph. I don't think Ralph is dabbling in Enduro Cross webcasts. Uh, he's got bigger fish to fry, as they say. Uh, I think it might have been Cameron Steele, but I'm not sure. They had somebody that was going to do it, and for whatever reason, had a conflict. So they called, and they're like, hey, are you going to be in Vegas Friday? Yeah, yeah, I'm flying out Friday morning. You want to do an Enduro Cross webcast? We'll pay you. Yeah. I was already here. Money talks. Money talks. Money makes the monkey dance. Absolutely. Right. And then uh, I was actually afraid. They said they wanted to do four of them. And I was afraid if I did a good job, they'd ask me to come back. Uh, I didn't really want to sign up to do any additional events. And then they did ask me to come back, but they paid me good money. So here we go. I did. We did four of them, and I did all four. So uh, how is that series doing at the races you were at? Uh, it's good right now. Yeah. It's definitely a good they, – they get a pretty good crowd. I, I went to the here twice, uh, one in Ontario, California, and one in uh, Washington, just north of Seattle. Crowds were good. Um. I do think there's a problem on the horizon that all of the series like this go through. GNCC is dealing with it now. I think it ended Supermoto. Remember when Endurocross started, it was Ryan Hughes yeah. winning? Ryan yeah. Hughes is the big name. Yeah. Then one year it was Ryan Hughes and John Dowd Dowdy, battling. Yeah. That's awesome. Right. Damon then, Huffman. Damon Huffman was involved. And then I knew that you know, guys like McGrath would look at it and be like, yeah. hey, man, maybe I would like to try that. That's a lot of buzz. Right. Well, as happens in all these, just like Supermoto, eventually – Unknown dudes start realizing, wait, this is the one form of motorcycle racing I might succeed at as a professional. Yep. And they focus on it. And then you have a series of, except for Brown, you pretty much now have all Enduro Cross specialists. Yep. And that's a dangerous position to be in. I mean, we can build up on the GNCC side, we can build up Caleb Russell all we want. He's a great rider. But when it was Rodney Smith winning the series, Motocross people knew Rodney Smith won GPs. Kudrowski maybe even? Even Kudrowski was even there. Even though he didn't win, but yeah. But that's, still, yeah. that's respect. Right. People know those guys are good. They might not even be any better than Caleb Russell. doesn't matter. It's just the name thing. Yeah. 
And if, if Supermoto, I think, eventually got to be the same thing. When it was the Boston brothers and McGrath racing it, yeah. it's a little Tr- bit different. Pastrana showing up. And, yeah. And then all those guys would get worked. But and then they don't want to do but it. it wouldn't matter, yeah. And then eventually they don't do it anymore. Right, right. I mean, Kerry Hart raced yeah. Supermoto, right? Yeah. Like, that was huge. Right. So I don't know how you deal with that. They've done a good job. Obviously, Taddy Blazuziak is their star, and he's pretty well known. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's got the Erzberg and all that. So, yeah. yeah. But uh, it's like every series, I think Arena Cross deals with it too. They become a victim of their own success. It becomes such a specialty. Right. How do you – we say this all the time at Arena Cross. When it was Budman and Denny, it was awesome. Now it's guys we don't know. How do you prevent well, that from happening? No, I don't know about that. It's not guys we don't know. It seems to be guys who are 40 years old. Jeff Gibson, Kelly Smith, Gavin Grasick. Uh, yeah, but there's other guys that are good that... Yeah, no, there's got uh, like, Zach Ames. Um, Zach Ames is really good at it, but, right. but outside of Arena Cross, you just don't know who he is, yeah. or, or Nathan Skaggs. Right. And, and Bowers, maybe, is like Blazuziak is. People know him as the guy. Yeah. But how many times do you hear the glory days of Budman and yeah, Danny? Yeah, yeah, you hear it yeah. all the yeah, time. Yeah, for sure. Well, partly because those guys don't have the fall races, so you don't get any big names. So good job on that, which I've railed on a bunch of times. Yeah, but they weren't getting... They would have Nick Way show up. Oh, Fox did would have show it. up. Here and Robbie there. Renard would show up oh, at, the, that's pretty at good. the fall races as a, a way to up. make money and warm up for Supercross. And and this would regularly happen at Des Moines and, and the, oh, the opening really? rounds. Yeah, and then that's a big loss. Then. Yeah, and then somehow somehow some people decided let's start a Cross in January. We only have Supercross going on, and it can't possibly get overshadowed at all by A one. Literally, the opening round is the same night as Anaheim. Yeah. Why would you do that? I don't know. I've been asking. Bowers has been on the Pulp Show a lot of times, and he's yeah, he's saying the same thing. He's like, what, what are we doing? The only thing I heard, I know one of the times they switched to January was the Arena Cross team said to race in October when new bikes come out around August, September, whatever. They literally couldn't get their stuff together. Plus, no, you know how— give, give me a break. Bikes don't yeah. even change anymore. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of it is, too, you know, the Arena Cross teams— you know, they the, team, the brands settle their Supercross, Motocross budget first. What's left for this? What's left for that? What's left for this? Yeah. They probably didn't even have their deals figured out. By that the time. could be more realistic, but still, you want to... Go get, racing? Make it happen? I mean, you get... You know, think about how Racer X might even t- fly you to Des Moines if it was starting We did. In. We used to have Budman on the cover one time, winning in Des Moines. Right. There you it go. It was the hot thing in right. October. It's the only thing going on. I went several times. Right. Yeah. Farber would go. We'd set up a booth. There you go. Yeah. So... Yep. Perfect example. And then when, now when's the last time anyone from Race Rex has ever covered Arena Cross? We would now have to have someone not go to Anaheim right. to cover the opener. Yeah. Who would do that? Yeah. You would, if you can get more people to go to Anaheim, you do Send it. Hansel. <laughs> oh, he'll be pumped. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, exactly it. That's exactly it. Um, hey, so uh, I was looking at the archives. January 15th, 2008. Do you know what you did that day? 2008? Yep. January 15th. I was hanging on to the bitter end of my 20s. You also did, you were the second ever Steve Mathis podcast show. I remember well, actually. You were going to be the first. I did not let you, you make spoke, me the first. You talked yes. me out of it. Yes. As a matter of fact, you might have been the first, but then not. But then I, I can't put you in a can for the week. Maybe. And then brought you back out. Yeah. And you said, you cannot have a podcast and the first guest be me. Because yeah, I think I wanted to work out the technical difficulties and everything else. And oh, re- you didn't reveal that. I was just a guinea pig. I think like, I'm like, hey, I can't really get a good name and then have something screw, screw up. up. So oh, I need why that. So Chad Reed was my first ever. Much better. Which, yeah, like you said, you can't come out of the gate with me. <laughs> no, but I, but a I fellow did, employee. I did come out at week two with you. <laughs> but so that was a long time ago, and we haven't, you know, um, there's a lot of people that ask me for podcasts with all these riders. And I'm like, 
bro, check the archives. I've done it. You know, I did yeah, a yeah. two-hour Jeff Ward one, a two-hour Brock Lever one. Bob Hanna's got a couple in there. Johnny O. Um, you name it. Yeah, their the, story hasn't changed. The story hasn't changed. No. Yeah, I mean, we no. can we can call these guys an update. They're doing more of the same, which is nothing. Right. Um. So I always say, go back to the Steve Mathis classics mm-hmm. and listen to these things, and they're all in there. Ron Lachine, yeah. Ron Lachine was good. Bradshaw's was epic. Oh, yeah. Um. So they're all there. So the point being is that I don't know if a lot of people heard your story from January 15th, 2008. Now, we've touched <laughs> on it here and there. Yes. Um. During a pulp show, on the Racer X podcast show, people know your story. Flagger. Flagger yeah. slash amateur wrestler yes. slash journalist. You yeah. know, people kind of know your your deal, but but for real, like, okay, so you grew up in New Jersey. How did you get into motocross? What? How did that happen? Um, I hate to reveal this because then it makes it seem like I had uh, everything handed to me. Uh, I, I don't know. My first word was car. I was just into motorized stuff. Okay, very young, like a lot of us are, right? Right. So it was, you know. The first time you can get a Power Wheels or whatever, you got that. And then when I got old enough to get something motorized, my parents got me a Suzuki Quad Runner 50 yep. when I was uh, Christmas. Used. Oh, yeah, it was used. Yeah, yeah. And my dad, frugal as he was. Well, we always make jokes about you being frugal. Yeah. Uh, your dad's worse than you. Yeah, I'm yeah, not right. up to his standards. Right, right. Yeah. Your dad's disgusted with your spending habits. My dad and I tried to pitch a reality show about me not living up to his standards. Right. It was going to be like what it would be like for a, a son to admit to his dad that he's a homosexual. <laughs> yeah. But me, I was just admitting that it wasn't cheap enough, <laughs> which would offend him more. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, they got it used. I was going to get the classic Trizinger yes. three-wheeler because yes. that was a superior product. We didn't know at the time that four-wheelers were better than three. Yeah. We did know that the Yamaha was a 60, not a 50, yep. and it had front forks at suspension. It did, yep. So it was better. But then my dad got a good deal on a used one. And the parking brake was on the broken. Quad. Yeah, on the quad. Suzuki, yeah. The parking brake was broken. And I said, how did Santa Claus give me something new that was broken? And my dad quickly explained that Santa Claus recycles gifts. They give them to boys that want them. And then when they no longer need them, he gives them to other little boys. Oh. So that's how you can get something used from Santa yeah, Claus. You, which, which you've already memorized this speech for your daughter. Yeah, I'm like ready. You've, like you've yes. got it down. like. Well, I have to admit, most of the stuff we buy for our daughter is done on Craigslist, and most of the stuff that she doesn't use anymore is sold on Craigslist. Right. Yeah. Used is where it's at. Kids don't wear stuff out. They outgrow it first. Right, right. Yeah, so I got a quad. So it's like any one of us that probably listens to this show or does yeah. this show. We were into it. wanted to ride right. early. We were into it. Then it all changed. My dad, this is the part I hate to admit, my dad worked for Bell Ray. Yes. And this is the part in the show where you all say, oh, he had an in. He was just handed the – no yes, wonder he works yes, in motocross. Yes. He just had a connection. He was born into it. Well, not really. My dad worked in the – he managed, like, the inventory. It had nothing to do with racing whatsoever. It did right, not right. involve – like, it's an oil company. He was involved with making the right. oil. So nothing. when, when Belray came back with Scotty Lucatus a few years back, you were very excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 The only reason I knew about motocross was Belray was the title sponsor of the old Unadilla USGPs. And in 1985, it was going to be on TV. Uh, the oh, Moto World people yep. were putting it on USA Network. And my dad came home and he's like, we have to watch this race tonight. Bell Ray's actually going to have a commercial on television. Wow. That was like part yeah, of the deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we watched this race just to watch the Bell Ray commercial. <laughs> and it was Hannah and O'Mara, both on Hondas. The, the running out of gas here? No, that was the next year. Okay. I mean, you can, you can folks can go on YouTube right now and yeah. find the 85. Yeah. I mean, it is... 
as good of racing as you will ever see. I mean, the last year of the Honda Works bikes, right. Unadilla in its classic, awesome form. 85? 85. Omer just smokes them, doesn't he? First motor, Hannah beats him straight up. Second okay. motor, Hannah falls down, breaks his clutch lever off. Okay. And they show a pissed-off Brian Lunis holding a clutch lever in his hand, but Hannah refused to pull over. Jeez. But Hannah still was driving through the Kami Euros without a clutch. Passed, I think he passed Jackie Vimon right. without a clutch. And Dave, Dave, Dave Spain always making sure that, you know. Larry Myers. Oh, Larry yeah. Myers. I'm without sorry. a clutch, right. he is passing the world champion. Larry Myers, very. Uh, but Omero yes. was gone. Larry Myers and Tim Cotter should have like a USA <laughs> announce off. Yes. See who, see who wins. Sleeping with an American flag on <laughs> yeah. them. There's one part, there's one clip of this where Omero comes out of a corner by himself. No one in sight. He's on a straightaway. And Hannah must make up. Three seconds on him on a straightaway, just by right. just holding it open yeah, more just, on this just, on these rough ass Unadilla whoops. Right, right. It's one of the coolest things ever. And after that, I was like, "Whoa!" How old were you? Uh, you I would say? have been, I think, just before I turned seven. Okay, so I turned yeah, seven you were, that year. Before. You were like, this, "These motorcycle guys are cool." Yeah. So then my dad knew I was into it. So a couple weeks later. I go to work with my dad because we used to ride on Bell Ray's property. They had like a little bit of wood. So that's why I go riding. Big timers. Yeah, yeah. Big Their timers. test track, right. which I don't think was ever used ever. I think they had a plan to have a test track. They yeah. never used it. Right. So I think it was the only one that ever rode it. So I go in, go ride with my dad. We go to, in his office to eat lunch, and there's a pile of ATV magazines, MXA, Cycle News, just sitting on their, in their lobby. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, there are magazines of this? <laughs> And he's like, yeah, we advertise. We get them for free, and we just throw them out. Yeah. I guess I could probably bring them home. So from then on, whenever they would have magazines to throw out, they would just give them my dad. Yeah. So about that time is when you're learning how to read, age six to seven. Yeah, yeah. So I started reading Cycle News and MXA and every quad mag and everything, and I got them for free a whole life. Nice. Yeah. So that is my hookup. That is my introduction to it. That's why these MXAs you have here from 1990, I remember every word. Right. Because I got them all for free. Yeah. Every magazine. It's awesome. But as far as that led me nowhere in the industry, my dad didn't, right. I didn't have any connections. He didn't know Davey or anything like that. Uh, but that is what got me into it, at least. But you did chop her into the 87 designations at Unadilla. Yes, chop her in. Chop her in. Chop her in. Yes, we base jumped into the. You were original Red Bud, Red Bull. Yeah, Air Force. Air Force, yeah. Yeah, so by 87, I was raging. I was into it. I knew every rider, everything. Two years later, I was. Did you have a dirt bike yet, or still? What did you have? Never allowed to have a dirt bike. Oh. Never, ever was allowed to have a dirt bike. Rules were quads. Couldn't be two strokes. Couldn't have a manual clutch. Oh, your dad was a f- pioneer of the four-stroke movement. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> two strokes are for racing. Yep. You're not ever going to race. Just combat. Calm down. Yeah, 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 yeah. So a clutch is for racing, a two-stroke's for racing, a dirt bike's for racing. <laughs> None of those things. You can have a four-stroke auto clutch ATV. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it was the rules. I wanted a Suzuki Quad uh, Sport 80. This, this upbringing couldn't be any different from, from mine. Like it's or anyone involved with right, motocross. Right, right. So by 87, we were going to the local races at Englishtown Raceway Park. Yep. Just on the, yeah, every other weekend that ever raced you, there. Which is hilarious because you were one of those people that I always like, is there actually anybody at this race that isn't related or friends to a rider? You were that pre- person. I was probably the only one. I thought that was normal. I didn't realize that people sitting in the stands might actually be racing that day. Yeah. I had no clue. Or were the moms or the brothers or whatever. Right. Sisters. Yeah. yeah, we used to go to local races, and I would sit in the stands at eight years old, and the idea that I could ever actually compete in that race was preposterous. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because in the magazines, you would read that Jeff Ward is perhaps the most fit athlete on the face of the planet. Yeah. 
Am I going to be the most fit athlete in the face of the planet? No. No. So I can't possibly do this. Right. This is only for the best of the best. What I'm watching here in English time right now is the very elite athletes in the world. That's what I thought. Right, right, right. The seven, seven-year-old kids on an 85, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought like they were the elite of the elite. Right. I didn't know. Yeah. Uh, and my parents certainly weren't encouraging it. <laughs> no, like They no, were yeah, glad no. to keep me in the dark. They weren't like, hey, you can do this, you Jason. No. <laughs> yeah, my family's a little bit different than most. You know how normally the uh, – the families are unrealistic about how talented their kids yeah. are and the potential they have. Yeah. Yeah. The Wigand family is the opposite. That just makes you a braggart. <laughs> so if we and let, it might have cost money. And it, and it possibly yes, could that, cost money true. if you see, have any sort of goals. You need to be humble so we're not blowing you up. Right. So, uh, so by 87, I knew the sport pretty well, and then Donations is coming yeah. to town. I mean, it's only, you know it's only a few hours away. Yeah. Belray was still the big sponsor. And those years, they actually had a private plane for a couple of years. Wow. So we flew the private plane. Uh, it only fit like seven or eight people. But somehow, but, you're, you and your dad got a s- precious seats. Because they weren't... Nobody was in the moto or whatever? Not like, really. Yeah. Like it had, they had some people that managed the racing stuff, and yeah. I think they had to go there so early, they didn't even... They were there like a week in advance, bannering yeah. it up right. and helping out. Whatever. So Did you ever like meet the guy who dealt with Roy Turner at Cowie to get them their oil? Like, was there any, like, one? Yeah, yeah, it was J.J. Hanfield, who was oh, a big part of that okay. original 81 uh, donations oh, team. Oh, okay, yeah. If you yep. see the 81 pictures, yep. he's right there. Yep. Uh, yeah, J.J. was a big part, and their European guy was a guy named Tor Cohen, who was their So you Euro knew guy. J.J., though, just as a kid. Oh, yeah, yeah, and I saw J.J. just recently at that Orlando trade show. Oh. Whenever I see him, man, I thank the guy a ton. I mean, again, I don't want to... Does wanna... he know who you are? Oh, yeah. Oh, he's pumped to know that the kid that he... Flew to Unadilla at age eight. Oh, for real? Oh, He's doing okay. the TV. Oh, he's very proud I of that. I did not know this. Oh, okay. yeah. yeah right. J.J. Hanfield. Yeah. And uh, so we flew there. But the real story is I did not get to watch the third and final moto because the weather was so bad that we had to wait for that window when you could fly a plane oh. when the weather cleared and we had to leave. Jeez, I think USA was trailing going into the third moto. Well, everybody was trying to justify, like, ah, by the end of the second one, you'll know who's going to win. Yeah. It was, like, tied. Right, right. Like, the worst-case yeah. scenario. Yeah. Tied going in the last moto, let's leave. Let's go. And then in those days, now you know you're not going to find out what happened for a week. Jeez. How are you going to find yeah. out who won? Yeah, no idea. Yeah. There's, no, there's nothing to do. There was a big breakthrough in the early 90s. Cycle News started faxing results. Oh. To certain, like, a, if you were an advertiser or whatnot. Oh, okay. So then, on, like, Monday morning, my dad could bring home, like, a fax. And it was just results. Yeah, no story or nothing. Yeah. So, can Kit, you imagine? Which Kit Palmer, by the way, yeah. probably typed Probably that. did that. Yes. It was an AMA service. Oh. It was okay. an AMA service. All right. Did I say Cycle News? You said Cycle News. Cycle News. I think it was an AMA service. Maybe it was Cycle News. Either way, can you imagine when you got the, I remember this well, the 1991 Hangtown results? Oh. <laughs> John Dowd, Doug Henry, you're like the fax is broken. Yeah, the fax yeah. is broken. What? S- something happened. What? Right. What? And then it had points, and you could look at the points and see Stanton scored none, Ward scored none, yeah. right? And you're like, this makes no sense. And then you'd have to wait forever <laughs> to find you, out what actually you're happened. Like either aliens came, <laughs> yeah. or or I don't, or this fax is broken, right. or the guy's playing a practical joke on us. Yeah, the guy who wrote the results out. I think eventually. Del Rey in the 70s was really into it big time. So by the 80s, they were still into it. Mm-hmm. But it just waned more and more and more. By the 90s, they were still hooked up with Kawasaki. I think the last real brush with greatness that got me, when we had the New Jersey Supercross. Yes. In 89, Wardy came and signed autographs at Del Rey. Wow. And I got to meet him. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was big. Yeah, got Do you to remember meet that? Him. You ever asked him about that? I have, I have joked with him about it. <laughs> Well, it's like it's like me talking to Stanton about like yeah. remember me riding out behind you, Jeff, at Millville? 
doesn't remember that. Huh? He doesn't remember doesn't that. Remember no, that. it doesn't. I'm like Jeff. <laughs> we were the only two going out. It was all muddy. It was Stanton and Mathis, and he just looks at me. This Bidus loves that story. How but, long uh, did you see him? Oh yeah, yeah, three seconds He's on the gone. track. Yeah, we made the ride alongside the fence, went onto the track, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's funny that these legends of motorcars don't remember us. Yeah, I was just and random kid. Impact we had on our their lives. They did when they had like you know how it works in most of these things like. The superstar motocross guy is coming, so they're pumped because they're like, "Oh, he's some big time guy we sponsor." They probably don't. Yeah, most of the employees don't know who he is, mm-hmm. you know. So, but when I came up, JJ said, "This kid knows everything about you." Oh, oh yeah, and I told him about titles and races he had won. Oh, you did. Oh, he was oh. he was blown away. Wow, by the knowledge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was about it. Like they were still sponsoring Kawasaki and even Suzuki for part of the nineties. Yeah, but it wasn't the hookups weren't really. The same anymore. I wasn't right. getting. That was the last ever like behind the scenes. So that's 1989. I was 11. So that was the cutoff between Belray having any impact on me getting in, a job. Your, yeah, in your it deal. would be like 12 years later before I got anywhere. Uh, Racer X podcast presented by BTOSports.com and uh, also ThorMX, ThorMX.com and BTOSports.com. Let's go to commercial break and uh, we'll get more from Jason Wygant on his tremendous uh, rise to the industry fueled by Belray. Uh, we'll get. To you right back. Uh, listen to these commercials and support the uh, support the sponsors, bro. The Racer X Podcast Show is brought to you by BTOSports.com. Whether you are looking for new gear, helmets, boots, or you need to rebuild your bike from the ground up, BTO is your source for all of your motocross needs. As a proud sponsor of the BTO Sports KTM Race Team and the heart of the BTO Sports Amateur Motocross Team, it is obvious that we are about more than being just a store. We support the sport that supports us. us. We at BTO Sports want to give back to you, the listener, for supporting us and the Racer X Podcast Show. Use Cooper code PULPMX when placing your order at BTOSports.com for a VIP listener discount. Certain brand restrictions will apply. Championship proven. Many motocross apparel brands make that claim, but only Thor can back it up. As America's first motocross apparel brand, Thor has set the standard for delivering the highest quality performance racewear on the market for the past 45 years. With champions like Ryan Villapoto, Blake Baggett, and Dean Wilson, to name a few, our products truly are championship proven. To see all the new 2013 products, visit ThorMX.com or head to your local Thor Parts Unlimited dealer. Thor, the official racewear of Supercross. All right, we're back on the BTOSports.com RacerX podcast presented by ThorMX. So, 11 comes, you're, you're, you're done with Bell Ray. They're, they're, they're kind of out of the sport. Yeah. Um, what are you doing? How do you get a flagger job at English Town? Yeah, so from there on out, I am still, still, getting... still no dirt bike. Still no dirt bike. No. Right. Uh, 92, I got a uh, Suzuki LT160 quad runner, four stroke auto clutch. <laughs> But it was more race you gotta, oriented. You gotta make this cooler, Wagat. You can't tell people this. I wanted. I knew I couldn't get a dirt bike, but I wanted to get a Yamaha Blaster because that's least, somewhat. It was cool. better. Yeah, 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 not allowed. Three fifty two stroke. Two hundred two stroke. Oh, two hundred. Not a Banshee. Oh, sorry. No, I got my Banshee Banshee, would be insane. Banshee, Banshee, and Blaster mixed up. I apologize. Don't to forget all the Warrior also. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. Three fifty four stroke. Yeah, I don't even know what that is. I don't remember that. The okay. Banshee was the twin cylinder three fifty two yep. stroke. Yep. Everybody knows the Banshee. Couldn't get the blaster, manual clutch, two-stroke, so I got an LT160, but it had suspension. Yeah. 3.1 3. inches of travel in the front, 3.5 in the back, and it had adjustable preload on the rear shock. You had to get that big wrench. 
big preload wrench oh, to, I, to change the to turn the shock collar to, to adjust yeah. the preload. I, I, I mean, I know what you're talking about, but yeah, yeah. that was big. Like I could adjust the suspension. Um. So yeah, at that point, the riding days, it really wasn't coming together. Yeah. Uh, but you're like, I can flag. That was a while later. I was in college and I was reading the classifieds. And there was an ad for... Oh, that's college? I thought you were younger. Okay. No, it was 98. So you're 17, 18? I, I was 20 by then. When you go to college, I don't even know. 18. I'm yeah. showing my lack of Yeah, I think it might have been 97 even when I started. So right. it was, I was already out of high school and they had an ad in the paper for the... So, okay, so mm-hmm. uh, uh, smash or go backwards from there. Would you still go to English Town all the time and watch? Yeah. All the time. Like, how far away did you live? Uh, Probably like an hour. Okay. I wouldn't say all the time quite as much. It was... You know, when you're a kid, your parents take you anywhere yeah. all the time. You know? When you're like 15. And- yeah, when you're like 15, they're not going to take you to the motocross race every other weekend just to watch. Like, you're on your own, kid. So, was this when the backyard wrestling picked up? That was all college, too. Okay. Yeah. Because you have to, for wrestling, 90s, early 90s was a low point in wrestling. And it kind of, wrestling is very cyclical, as they say. It goes to ups. Uh, not, early 90s was no, no good? Early 90s was a down period. And then it came roaring back mid-90s to by the end of the 90s, it was at its peak. I would argue its peak was Hogan and Macho in late 80s. Well, okay, it might match okay. that. But if you look at it on a scale, you'd look at like 85 peak, 2000 peak, yeah. and then a valley coming back up, okay. connecting those two peaks. that makes okay. sense? Sure. And they say wrestling. No one's ever is, thought about wrestling as much as you have. So yeah. That's true. Wrestling, they say, is historically like that, though. It runs in 20-some-year cycles of popular, not popular, popular, not popular. Okay. Um, so, okay, so, yeah. fr- so, um, so in the nineties, I'm just in college, yeah. and, or I mean, high school yeah. and reading MXA and super into it and taping every race. The- Ke- Mickey Kessler though. You're aware of Mickey Kessler. You're, you're yeah. I mean, he was still dominating the early days and I was going to, yeah. uh, English town. Then Barry Karsten would take over. Uh, there were a couple other, like you, I'm sure you know what your local fast guy, what were some unknown to anyone local fast guys that you grew up watching? No, Mickey Kessler is not an unknown local. No, fast no, I'm guy. saying there are other guys. Oh. Name some other guys who you knew were fast and probably no one else listening to this would recognize uh, the name. Are you talking about the Canadian level yeah. or, or provincial level? Like state or level? The races, the track you would go to locally. Yeah. Who was like, oh, Oh, dude. yeah. Danny Winnestock, uh, right. Mark Maddock, uh, right. Kim Hood. Yeah. Everybody has those guys. Yeah. So we had Kessler. Yeah. We also had Jimmy Capitan. I know, uh, but Jerry Capitan's Sipe. a name. Yeah, well, they would race nationals. Yeah. Uh, Jerry Sipe. That, that I don't know. Yeah, Sipe yeah. was good. And um, a, a lot of guys that... People, Joe Dangler, I think you probably yeah, know who yeah, that yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, no, those Dangler, guys were Dangler was later. Dangler wasn't around that at the time. I don't. They think. all bridge because okay. Kessler would still race the 500 class or the vet class. Right, I mean, right. he rode for 25 right. years yeah. there, so they all overlapped. Now, did you always go to race the champions? Uh, the race champions at English Town every oh, year. Oh yeah, that for was fact, like yeah. I mean, you didn't your miss year, that. Your year was like around that. Yeah, so Wardy, Dogger, they show up. Eddie Warren. Yeah, those are the. That was awesome. Right, Chicken. Yeah, Chicken Kudrowski, Carmichael on an 80. Yeah. Doing knack-knacks. The first year the knack-knacks were even done. Oh, yeah? Doing 80. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, I think he got yelled at by his dad for doing it. I mean, he's doing knack-knacks on the first lap because he had like a six-second <laughs> lead in the first lap. The big story one year is that was going to be Stewart's first ever race on a 125. Okay. And he broke his shoulder right before it. Uh, Shocking. And then, yeah, and he didn't, didn't make it. Yeah. And then, of course, the legendary JSR oh. ending battle in 97, taking it to Emmy, giving him all he could handle. Never forget that. But I didn't know about the taking guys out to New York City and getting them hammered. Yeah, the night yeah, before. right, I know, right. Which I'm sure Emig was more than glad oh, to partake I'm, in. I think Jeff just stayed in his room and just worked out. I gotta, yeah, I gotta I'm, get up tomorrow. Yeah, I can't. I gotta uh, race. Yeah, I'm gonna just stay in my room and work out. Everybody, have fun in New Go York City. Go to New York City and party? No. Yeah. Um. So 
Okay, so when do you get the flagger job? College? How do you? you just... Yeah, I think it's like ninety-seven or ninety-eight during the summer. I'm looking in the classifieds, looking up used bikes or quads, hoping I could scrape together five hundred bucks to buy like a. Right. I was hoping maybe I were could you buy working like a... on the seashore then or the seaside? Uh, that was even younger. I did that uh, when I was like fourteen. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. Um, you worked Jersey Shore. You literally seaside when yes, I shot that yes. show. Yeah, I worked there summer '93. Right. Yep. Same deal, just less tattoos back then. Right. But otherwise, same dude, yeah. same chick, same everything. <laughs> same people like you glare at them sideways, they get pissed off, yeah. and they want to fight you. Anyone yeah. who says that show is a stereo- untrue, that's ridiculous. It's dead on. <laughs> and you could say, well, they're not even from New Jersey. They're from Long Island. Well, they're hanging out in New Jersey. Yeah. That's what it's like to be yeah. there regardless of where right. they're from. There's people here in Vegas that aren't from Vegas that we probably saw this weekend. Yeah. It's still Vegas. It's still Vegas, right. Um. Yeah, so I see a classified ad. You know, I'm hoping to scrape together 500 bucks to buy like a 1990 CR250 or something and yeah. learn how to ride. But then still I on see, the quad at this point. Yeah, still on the 92, 164 stroke. You guys can Google Google image the LT160 quad rider. I, I, I can picture it. Yeah, it it's awesome. the blue and yellow and yeah, it was blue and white. Yeah. Oh, blue and white. The okay. year, the first year they had it, I think it was '89. It was orange. Yes. I wanted an orange one bad, but that was three years earlier. I couldn't find one. <laughs> so I see an ad for autocross. Caution flagger, and it just has a phone number. Yeah, I think it might have said Raceway Park because okay. English Town we know it as a motocross track, but it had drag racing it was actually a bigger part of it. There's a oh, drag yeah. race strip right next to the track. Okay, you're, you've no, never been, never been, been, been oh. in English Town. Yeah, there's a drag race track Tim right Ferry's next to been it. Been there a lot though, dominated the English Town. He would come on his own. Yeah, and yes. and put it to the Cowie dudes, heart and soul, bro. Yeah, just a pickup truck, Florida plates. Yep. Yep. Um. Uh. So autocross flagger. Yeah, so I thought it was a job at Raceway Park, but I didn't think it involved the motocross track. Yeah. So I called, hoping I could maybe get this job. <laughs> and then the guy, Ken Landerman, who ran the thing, called me back, said he'd probably be able to get me in. I was so pumped. And then he said they even pay. It was 40 bucks a day. Wow. I was going to make money. Yeah. And it was motocross. I couldn't believe it. So I, I never knew that that was a bad thing. I never knew that being a yellow flagger was, like, embarrassing or, like, not something to aspire to. <laughs> you never to. knew that. Wh- years later... At Racer X, you would call the flagman goons. Yeah, I was so goon. confused. <laughs> when I would have that, a couple of years later, the newspaper's out, Racer right. X newspaper, making fun of the flaggers. And I'm like, hey, hey. wait a minute. It is kind of like that. They're kind of weird. <laughs> uh, I mean, we've talked about in this show, the ultimate. Yeah. The guy wore all, a full one-piece jumpsuit to keep the sun Someone off. Someone sent us a photo to verify what you Scott said. Lucatus. Was that Scotty who yeah. sent that? Ultimate. Like, literally, yeah, full suit. With a dusk mask. Yes, yes. Because right. he stayed cool by keeping the sun off him. Yeah. <laughs> so you... Uh, so I flagged for a few flagged. years. They, yeah. they promoted Just, me to be one of the main guys uh, after like three yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. But I was nervous because... They're the like, main, hey, you wrangle the other goons. Well, you'd be in charge. Yeah, you were in charge of that. And uh, you'd have a radio and you were in charge of like the 32nd card. And you know the local races, you're just trying to bang out as many yeah, motos. Yeah. If you're late, you know, one minute in every moto, yeah. the whole day is going to be an hour late by right. the end of the day. right. So I had to learn that, the 30-second card. I don't think I ever got to drop the gate. Um, and then I was really nervous because we had, like, KX85s to ride around on. And oh. you'd be, like, riding around with flags in your hand. Oh, yeah. Or, and yeah. water and right. drinks yeah, and yeah, snacks, yeah, yeah. Yeah. riding one-handed. And I'm like, I've never ridden a two-stroke with a clutch and a two-wheeler. My dad I, says I, these are evil. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Plus, it's an 85, which everyone knows is the ultimate loop-out machine yeah, if you don't know what you're the doing. The powers are like, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Every dad has looped out <laughs> right. an 80. Right. So I'm like... I can't ride one of these one-handed for the first time. So luckily I was able to strategically avoid that Yeah. every time it was needed. Yeah. I got busy doing something You're else. like, hey, uh, goon, goon number two. Yeah, yeah, Take get this. your drinks. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, 40 bucks a day and you're flagging and life's good. 
Yeah, and then I had to leave uh, early one summer. Uh, I always worked in the amusement industry. I worked at the <laughs> Seaside. Of course you did. Then I, then I moved up to Great Adventure, which is a big Six Flags Park in yeah. New Jersey. And then I, because of my acting and theater experience. How did you have that? Oh, you don't know about this? Was this the at backyard all? wrestling? No. Oh, well, I've always enjoyed talking. Yes, yeah. As you yeah, can tell. Right. Yeah, so when I was in high school, that's what I did. I'm like... Oh man, I want to be a public speaker, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do the plays. I'm gonna do the theater stuff. Oh yeah, I did every single activity that you could do on a stage in a theater department. The four years in high, every single one from the day I was a freshman to the day it was over, and they gave me a lifetime achievement award in acting at my high school. Wow. Yeah, I was the lead in the plays the last two years I was there. Really? Oh, you didn't know any of this? No, I don't think I did. Right. So I honestly, which which would come in handy later for the backyard wrestling videotapes. Because you and are. There was many characters. Had no, to be you like, had to. Act. Yes, you had to be a, a racist at one time. Another time you had to be a serial killer. Yeah. And then you had to be an announcer. You might have been a homophobe. You might have been in a ho- one time and then a gay guy I mean, next. It <laughs> yes. was a very big range. You might have been racist in one thing and then playing a black guy in the next. <laughs> yes. It's very hard to do all it was, of that. It was incredible the depth <laughs> that you guys would go to. Right. The characters. Uh, folks that have listened to me on DMXS know the theater history, which was laugh all you want. But the chicks were hot, and most of the guys were gay. So you had the pick of the litter. Now, they were also insane. Yeah. Compl- as bonkers, crazy drama, insane. Like, you think you know crazy chicks. These are actresses. Yeah. Bro. Right, right. So it was definitely good and bad. It had an upside that most I, people I actually participated in drama class for a couple years in high school and was in a play. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, was, yeah. Uh, I was never the lead or anything like that, yeah. but I was on in, in the little school production. It's grade, kind of my grade, deal. Like- grade 8 and grade 9, I think. Which may be high school for you guys. I don't even know. Uh, straddling it, it's both. Right. Yeah, it's just kind of an idea. Like anything I'm doing, I'm gonna go, like I'm not just gonna dabble in it. Like, right. oh, there's theater. I'm gonna do every single thing, right. and I'm gonna be the lead in it. Yeah. But then, uh, so that you, you parlayed that experience to you could work at Six Flags, and you yeah. just have to work a cash register yeah. job or whatever. But they did have a couple of shows, like plays or mm-hmm. performances. So they had the Batman stunt show. So I was able to claim that my theater experience would allow me to work on the technical crew, oh, which yeah. meant like you worked two hours a day and got paid to sit around because you'd like paint the set or something. Yeah, yeah. It was way better than any other yeah, 17-year-old right. style job. Unbeknownst to me, the Batman stunt show was basically based around motorcycle stunts and like spinning the Batmobile out and stuff. Right. Who's the talent? Who's doing the stunts? The fast dudes from Raceway Park. Oh, yeah, right, yeah. sure. Jerry Sype, right. one of the fast A-Rodders. They're naming a guy Jerry, and then every once in a while they'll, they'll, I hear them say Sype, and I'm like, is that That's Jer- Jerry? Is that? And then I notice every once in a while he'll bring like a box van, yeah. and he's working on a bike between – I'm like, that's him. And then he introduced me to another guy. It was like three or four of the fastest dudes in Englishtown right. were the stunt guy because you got paid like 50 bucks a day yeah. or 50 bucks a show times four. Yeah. Way more money to ever race right. for motocross. yeah. yeah. And the guys would be like, we're going to go race Binghamton this weekend. We can't race or can't work on Sunday. I couldn't believe it. Right. I had stumbled into this. Yeah. And it was like their gateway to like coolness. Yeah. Right. So I finally get up the courage to introduce myself. I'm like, hey, you race motocross? You're Jerry Sype? He's like, yeah. I'm like, wow, that's cool. I know motocross. And you know how it is. How many people have you run into that say they know dirt bikes? Right. Yeah. And you're yeah. like, whoa. Yeah. yeah. And they're like Travis Pastrana. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay, never mind. So that's what he's prepared for. Right. That's what he's prepared to hear. Yeah. I'm like, oh, motocross is my favorite sport. I love it. And he's like, oh, yeah? Yeah, sure, kid. And I'm like, uh, you race in Englishtown, don't you? He's like, yeah, yeah, I do. I'm like, I'm a flagger there. And it was like, what? <laughs> like, I thought that was going to get me in. <laughs> but instead, they were like, he can yeah. speak coherent sentences? <laughs> right, right. 
He can walk without a limp? Like, how is this possible? <laughs> He's got all his limbs? Yeah. <laughs> Looks like he has all his fingers? So lo and behold, like, whenever the next time there was, like, a week later or something, it was racing in Englishtown, and I walk up to him in the pits, and I'm like, I told you I work here. Yeah. They couldn't believe it. Wow. And then we became like buds. Jeez. It was cool. Yeah. Now, uh, did you ever cheer for riders as a flagger? Because that that's the number one rule not to do. Of course, it? some of our Supercross flaggers don't seem to. Well. You're supposed to be watching. The, you're not supposed to cheer. You're supposed to be watching your area. But uh, I'm sure you watched some Supercrosses in the late 80s, like the ones that Larry Huffman announced. Yeah. Where they would show the flaggers cheering for Rick Johnson. No, I know. That's, that's, that's wrong, though. That's not oh, a, I thought it was awesome. No. Hell yeah, I cheered. No, if you're a flagger, you're professional. You're non-biased. Non-biased. You're just... That's true. I cheered for the Barry Karsten Ty Wallace battles day in day out. Uh, cheered for him. I was hoping that would be like my. But who end. would like, you cheer for? I think I would just cheer just for the cheer, battle. Yeah, the yeah, battle. Right, yeah. right. And I thought that'd be my way in. Like eventually, I'd introduce myself as the flagger that cheered. Yeah. And they would remember. Then, oh yeah, that right, guy's cool. Yeah, and right. I know these guys from Great Adventure. And yeah. Blah, blah. Right. The sucky thing. You was, really got into this group. You got in. I was, but here's I reached my. This is where I realized. See, like my parents were smart enough, I think, to think. Riding a motocross bike is never going to help you make money. Yeah. It's, you're just going to blow it. Right. It's just a stupid, a bad investment. Yeah. Well, by the end of that summer, they're like, well, you know how to ride, right? And I'm like, yeah. Right. And they're like, dude, we can get you in the show next year. I mean, you'll make like 250 bucks a day. In college money, Yeah. that's like $1,000 a week. Yeah. Nobody makes that at no, age 19. huge, right. But I wouldn't be able to do it. Like, I got to go out there and do, like, one-handed wheelies and fight, like, while standing on the seat of a bike. Yeah, I no can't chance. even effing no ride. No chance, right? And, like, jumping off of, like, really stupid, like, you know, jumping over stairs and all this stuff. I mean, I would so, it would have changed my life. So you I were like, this awesome, but, I, I mean, I can't. I'm not capable of it. I didn't want to admit that. Right, of course not. No, I but, would barely yeah. get over the, the hit of being a flagger right. to admit I didn't ride either. I probably would have never spoken. Hopefully, you left the quad out of this this LT one sixty out of the conversation. That Honda Pilots, you remember those? Yeah, with cannons on the yeah. top. Yeah, I could do some serious damage in a pilot. Oh, okay. Because of my uh, yeah. knowledge of doing donuts and yeah. fishtails, like you get on a quad. Right. I was very impressive with the pilot. Um, They're like he must race. Look at him. Look at his yeah. Pilot look at his skills. pilot skills. I mean, the he, automatic <laughs> yeah. CVT tranny. Right. You turn the wheel and then you gas it really yeah. hard and you could do a donut. Right. Right. So then I had to leave. Because my great adventure experience had parlayed into the potential to work at Disney World. Oh. Yeah. So I spent a semester working at Disney World as a janitor. You, oh, as part of the school? Like, as part of school? Yeah. Like... I really wasn't into college. I hated it. Yeah. Um, so I had a chance to get a semester off, basically, by doing this. Uh, and I was like, shoot. It was go. some sort of work program or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, it was a sucker way for Disney to get overqualified employees. Oh, okay. You could get college students to work for minimum wage. Yeah. Because you're like, oh, my God, I'm getting to work for Disney. Yeah, I'm yeah. learning from a Fortune 500 company. Walt's going to take me in, and Walt's yeah. kid is going to take me in hand by hand and show me the – They had you suckered so bad because they even had, like, a educational component where you could do, like – you could watch videos about Walt Disney and uh, write about yeah. the company philosophy, and they claimed that they would, like, read it and give you grades. They were like <laughs> – they would just be like, yeah, cool, kid. Right. Go out there and sweep the streets. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I worked there. Yeah. Where would you live? They get, oh, it was awesome. They gave you a place to live. So it was oh. you and college students around the country. You might have made minimum wage, but that's all you needed. Yeah. If, you know, if you're that age and you got 50 bucks in your pocket, you're, right. running, yeah. you're running at the big dogs. Like bunk beds yeah. everywhere. And it's just, yeah. right. you're 20, the girls are 20, you're all living together, yeah. there's no parental supervision whatsever. Oh, yeah. Oh, it was the greatest thing ever. Did you, yeah. would you hook up with chicks? 
Absolutely. Oh, that sounds awesome. And I think it was six dudes per apartment, like three bedrooms, okay. two dudes in each. And like by the end of the six months, everyone yeah. had dated everybody's chick. Like oh, he'd wake up with her two weeks later, she'd yeah, be back yeah, with yeah. you, and then two right. weeks later she'd be back. Yeah. Right. And then across the like street Like a giant survivor contest. Well gets even better. You've been to Disney World before? Yeah. You know they have Epcot with the countries. Yeah. Yep. Canada. Well, they, Canada. They do have Canada, yes. Yep. Canada's one of the better ones. They oh, say. it is? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Of course. I think they put more money into it. Fantastic. Kind of like tell the people what we just saw. Uh we're watching the Grey Cup, the Canadian Super Bowl. And they just had a skidoo rider jump a giant double. And over had, a concert. Over a concert, and he had monster graphics on. So. <laughs> yes. A guy in a snowmobile jumped over the And there's no snow, show. though. There's no snow. But in Canada, it's going to be a sled. Right, right, right. So, I'd like to see that again, probably actually. probably Tucker Hibbert or something. Yeah, it might have been. <laughs> they had a freestyle ramp with a snowmobile jumping over the halftime show. Only in Canada, baby. Right, right. So, okay. uh, well, Epcot has the foreign yeah. the foreigners, right? So across the street from our apartment complex is the Euro apartment complex. Uh-huh. So now you got the Italian chicks, the yeah. the, uh, the Norway chicks, uh, wow. the Japanese China chicks, the German chicks, whatever you're into, yeah, man. Yeah, whatever right, you're into. Right. Same thing. They're 20 They're years old. They're just a buffet yeah. of chicks. <laughs> I love it. Was. Right. And I think you with the sam- Americans. Sample a little German, sample a little Dutch. He's going for it again. The sled just jumped the stage again. <laughs> so, yeah, just a, a smorgasbord of chicks now, I from whatever country you want. They needed so many Americans, they were just taking anyone they could get yeah. on the college side. But there is no doubt. There, it is not a coincidence. Not a single chick wasn't hot out of all the yeah, Euros. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They definitely were, mm, yeah, this one I don't think we're going to. I think this one can play Cinderella. Yeah. No, right. it was just working at a beer oh, stand. Oh, okay. Oh, like they, were never, they were never part of the, uh, the little people that walk around. Oh, the people that walk around. Yeah. So uh, that's all based on height. Oh. There's a university in – University of Central Florida is the college closest to Disney World. It's in Orlando. It, it's UCF, University of Central Florida. Okay. It's known as You Can't Finish, UCF, because <laughs> the <laughs> Disney kids go down there. They, depending on height, get to play a certain character. Yeah. If you're four foot eleven. The world is your oyster, because that opens the door to like yeah, fifteen elves, different characters, right. and there's not many four foot eleven people out yep, there. Yep. So you're a college student now. You're dominating. So like the amount of would be theater dominating is a is a loose term in their yeah, minds, because right, right, now right, they right. feel like they're getting, they're a paid entertainer. Right. My parents said I would never make it as an actor, and look at me now. I'm Donald. I Duncan. got mocked and yeah, I got yeah. mocked everywhere. <laughs> yes. Yeah, right, right. I'm four foot ten. Right. I've been beat up my whole life <laughs> for being that tiny. Who's the bitch now? Yeah. Right. Now I'm right. Donald Duck, and I'm making nine dollars an hour. <laughs> so then, what you would do is after six months, you didn't want to go home. Uh-huh. You didn't want to not play Donald Duck anymore. Yeah. So you would <laughs> you would call your parents and transfer. To UCF. UCF with no intention of actually really going to college because you were set. You're Donald Duck, bitch. You, what right. else is there to do? <laughs> right. So that's why you can't finish. You had no intention of actually getting the degree. Uh-huh. You were only going there. The, the character, the Pluto, I believe, is like five foot seven. Okay. It's like the average, like if you took all male females, yeah. that's like the average height of a human being. Okay. So Pluto is everybody. Pluto is the easiest to find. Lots of Plutos. Lots of Plutos yeah, out there. Yeah. But finding the tall ones, the short ones. So uh, the American education system lost a lot of good kids. <laughs> to, to Disney. Under, under five feet tall. Right, right. So I did my time at Disney. Once you did the regular semester and the crap job, then you could get a real internship. And I was a PR student, so I could have gotten an internship for their cruise line. 
and uh, I did not get picked. So it didn't get me anywhere. Uh, so I had to tuck my tail between my legs. There's and go a back chance, though, had you gotten the internship at the cruise. I mean, you just might have never left the Magic Kingdom. That was you the plan. You might have never left the Magic Kingdom. I mean, as you said, it was a smorgasbord of chicks. Right. So let's put it this way. I got into the theater thing. I tried to go all out on that smorgasbord of chicks. Yeah. I, I did as much of that as I could. Yeah. Then I did the amusement park thing. I took it as far as I could go. Um, then, before I even dabbled and even – the reason I wouldn't even think about a motocross job is it didn't even exist. Right. Like in the 90s, there yeah. wasn't an industry to work in. I'm sure you were in the same situation. Like, Well, I was racing, but yeah, I never thought about being a media guy ever. Yeah, I'm like, I don't even know the first thing about that. Yeah, so you right. thought maybe I could be a mechanic. And some people would make a joke about how I even now don't know the first thing about it. Yeah. In 20, People in our own staff, I think, would, Jeff Cosen would right. probably say about right. it. <laughs> he still doesn't know a thing about it. No, exactly. Right. Um, yeah, getting a job in motocross wasn't even right. fathomable. What? There was MXA. There were four jobs. Right. And the same dudes had them for 30 years. <laughs> the same guy's running it right now. Right now. This 1990. <laughs> it's still Jody's box. Right, right. So you're not getting anything. Um, so my next thing was I've was, always been super into cars. I found out that the Subaru headquarters was in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, which uh-huh. is only 20 minutes from where I went to college. So, Did you ever know any mob people growing up? That's always a big thing. Like, I know. In I, Canada, really? it was always like... Oh, they're all mobsters. Canada? No, what you thought about New Jersey. Oh, New Jersey. You're like, they're all mobsters. Everyone is made or knows a made guy. Yeah, and my family is, like, everyone on mom's side of the family is 100% Italian, North Jersey all the way. No. Nothing. Nothing. They don't speak Italian. They don't cook Italian meals. They know nothing. Okay. Nobody's made. Nobody's Nobody's made. Uncle Vito uh, went away for a little while. I can tell you the seaside stereotype, from my experience, 100% true. The mob thing. No. I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. All right. Uh, that's cool and romantic, and everybody wants well, to think I that. Well, honestly, like, I, that was – that's so growing up, I just thought everybody in Jersey was somehow connected to a mob. Yeah, that's what everybody in Jersey probably wants you to think. It's <laughs> right, badass, right, bro. right, right. So then I tried the car thing. I'm like, wow, there's a car company right here. Subaru, yeah. Subaru. So I, so I had uh, interviewed for the Disney job, rejected. Out of the Magic Kingdom you go. Yeah, go back to Goodbye, Jersey. Goodbye, smorgasbord of world chicks. World chicks, yeah. I, this, I don't think the car industry was going to do anything on the chick side. Yeah. But it was just good, good, honest work. Yeah. So I interviewed for the internship, and at the end, they're like, any questions for us? And they were blown away, just like talking to Jeff Ward. They were blown away by the stuff. I was telling them about spy pictures of cars they weren't coming out with for two years. They're like, oh. how the hell do you know about that? And I'm like, oh, Motor Trend had a picture You're, of it. Oh, so yeah, it. you were reading magazines. And they were so, like, yeah. damn, how did you? So I think it's in the bag, and then I'm like, hey, does this pay, by the way? They're like, yeah, depending on your experience, like 10 to 12. I'm like, 10 to 12, what? <laughs> They're like dollars an hour, and I'm like, whoa, yeah. okay. What? And then they pick some freshman chick over me. Yeah. I did not get the job. Probably straight. She got kicked out of Magic Kingdom, too, I bet. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, right. She was tall, though, so she really yeah. didn't have a reason to No, she could, have, she could have rode that train, right? Yeah, she was too tall. Right. So I'd been rejected from the – I tried everything in the amusement park world. Reached the end of the line. Yeah. Tried the theater world, reached the end of the line. Tried the car world, end of the line. There was nothing left to even try. Yeah. So I sent a... I had a few years mm-hmm. um, where I was uh, turned pro, and uh, I was... I mean, I was a local pro, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. And I was uh, racing on the weekends, and I was crashing and getting yeah. hurt and... Yep. and ter- spending money? T- spending a ton of money. Yeah. And I had... I was out of high school... And I had my own business, but it failed. It closed Beer up. Your bike shop. Steve Cycle. Steve Cycle. Very original name. Yes. And then I was working at a welder shop. Um, working at a welding shop slash, I think I had, oh, I was delivering car parts also. Wow. Uh, in between. I had a year or two around age 19, 20, 21 that were 
the dark years, let's call them. Yeah. I didn't know what I was going to do. I had no I had no education besides the high school. I was my racing was getting me nowhere. Yeah. I was beat up slow spending money. Uh dark years. My parents yeah. were divorced and oh. kind of weird shit was going on there. Yeah, yeah. Maybe these were your dark years after Subaru rejection? I remember specifically. Because let me tell you, the the Disney is not your dark years. No. <laughs> no, it ties in. The I remember specifically, there was this one German chick who I was really getting along with well, and she uh, came to New York City. I was back in Jersey at this time. Yeah. So hung out in New York City. I'm like, man, this is going good. Is your wife going to listen to this? Hey, it was 15 years before I met her. Uh, hey, what saying. do I got to worry about? Right. Not, not, not claiming I had never dated anyone before, right? So, oh, we're good. Okay. so I'm like, this is going to work. going to come to New York. Maybe I'll you know, do the backpack through Europe thing like kids do, and we'll meet up Still again. Still big dreams. Yeah. Uh, and I remember getting like the Heisman from her, and at the same – just before I left for New York to meet her is when Subaru called and said that somebody else was getting the job. Oh. And I'm like – well, I'm just going to drown my sorrows yeah. and run in this German yeah, chick. Yeah, right. Just Got the Heisman from her. German sausage. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I got the Heisman from her. And then my college roommate decided not to come back that semester. And he's like, I got bad news, dude. I can't make it. I'm not going back to school next semester. So you got two weeks to find a new roommate. And I'm like, I just lost my place to live, yeah. my job, and this chick. And this German chick. Literally in like a two-day span. It was the dark years. The dark, sure. the dark year. Dark week. The dark, the dark week. week. So there were only two things left. The car thing didn't work. The acting thing didn't work. Right. The amusement park thing didn't work. There were only two things left. Well, you had your LT still or no? Because that would be left. Still the LT. That wasn't going to make me any money, though. <laughs> no, but yeah. I would say, like, you know how Kenny Powers gets on his jet ski? Oh, it makes you feel... Right. <laughs> yeah. You could get on the LT. I think I knew by then it was making me feel less, <laughs> right, right. less power. Okay. So there's only two things left, man. Motocross or wrestling. Yeah. It can go one of two ways. So of course, then, there's only. I mean, I mean, what else is the, there to do? At the bottom life? of the barrel, that yeah. is what's left, right? You have right. to go with rock solid foundations. Right, right. Two industries <laughs> that will always treat you right. There's tons of money going around. Lots of Nothing benefits. Shady. Lots of benefits. <laughs> yeah. Lots of uh, you know, yeah. Oh, so yeah. is it going to be wrestling or is it going to be motocross? Now, wrestling had been on the meteoric rise from like '95 on. Yeah. Like I went from made fun of for still following it in like '93 to like it fell back in our laps. Like my buddies here, you remember this. We were ridiculous for knowing about it, and then three years All later, sudden, everyone's coming to us for cool. information. Right. Yeah. Right. Hey, what about this guy? What about that guy? The the way they'd always try to get away with it is, you would just throw in the word, you would just mix up the name, like Undertaker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Our joke always was, oh, he's one of those Taker Under guys. <laughs> like, they didn't want to admit they knew the name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was oh, watching, yeah. and that uh, Taker Under guy... Yeah, yeah. You know it's Undertaker, You know bro. it's Undertaker. You know. Right. Yeah. And then, or you just throw in or something at the end of the sentence. <laughs> right, right, I don't right, really right, know right, it. Right, And it kept getting more and more popular. Then finally it was like viewing parties like every Monday night. Like it was a full-on party. The two wrestling uh, federations were on against each other on Monday night. So, so you, you went – So motocross and wrestling, you, you took the wrestling fork. I did because – Were you still following moto the whole time though? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, okay. But again – if you want to find the industry that is the least amount of jobs, it is motocross. Like right. it's going to lose out every time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we started doing the backyard wrestling, which we've covered <laughs> we to, a, to a degree. We, I mean, what did you do with those DVDs I burnt for you? Did you ever? Did I think you, I need to burn you them myself. Them? Yes. Did you? <laughs> don't let those get out. We had. Do not let those get out. <laughs> we. So my buddy Jason had a Thomas has seen them. I'm not even sure how it started because Moser has seen them. I don't think I was yeah. there when I, you guys were first doing it. I don't think so. I think it was a couple weeks in. We were just drafting more and more people. 
Oh, yeah. It was our buddy Hitchens. Okay. So in school, we had the smartest kid in the school, the smartest kid for sure. Like most kids suck at math and science. Americans yeah. suck at it, no, right? No, always the Japanese. Were, yeah, we're going to kill Canada, us. Yeah. No, in, Canada, Canada, they said it too? No, Canadian in Canada, it was always the – we had you know Japanese kids, and I don't know why they were there, but – yeah. They were lapping us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They were smoking us. Right. So there was this kid, Dave Hitchens, who was always in the gifted and talented program. Whenever there'd be the science fair, he'd always come up with the good thing. He had the volcano a, or no? The baking I, soda volcano? I think the baking soda. You had the um, you had to make a car powered you know what by. what I'm talking a, about? Yeah. Mousetrap car. Dominant mousetrap oh. car. Mousetrap oh. car powered by a mouse. A car power, you didn't have to do that? No, I don't remember what that is. I don't you know had a mousetrap, and you had to figure out a way to in- connect that to wheels and see how far you could get a car to drive. No, I don't know. Yeah. What you would tie like a rubber band to the mousetrap, and as the mousetrap sprung, it would pull an axle oh, yeah. and engage you. Yeah. So he was the smartest kid in school. But unfortunately, around 1994, he discovered pro wrestling. <laughs> and the dark years for him continue, I believe, to this day because he just became obsessed. Was that the guy you showed me? Oh, no, okay. no, no, All no. Right. Okay. We, so Hitchens, the smartest kid in school, suddenly couldn't care less about anything but wrestling. I don't think he even eventually even went to college at all. Right. He was just still into wrestling. And we weren't really Vince McMahon just took him down. Yes. I don't and the thing was, like, we weren't we never really wanted to be super buds with the guy, but it was inevitable. Me and my friends were super into wrestling. He and his friends were super into wrestling. We the, the just the, the planets were going yeah. to align. It was years of trying to hold it off. Four or five was, years. Was was uh WWF and the Monday Night Raw, was that all you would watch, or was there other weirdo back Backyards or perfect? Like, were you that into it, or were you just WWF guy? Uh, hey, we always said we we're going to do the wrestling podcast, so I'll, I can explain some of this to you. Okay. The reason I that should wrestling... call I should yeah. call my buddy Pat O'Connor by the way right now because yeah. the Canadian guy I know he's the only other guy as passionate with wrestling as you. It is a fascinating business study, and Pat O'Connor could probably back that up. This is why wrestling got popular again in the '90s. All hail capitalism! It was all about competition. WWF always dominated. Right. Everybody knows that. Once they stole all your Minnesota guys that you a- talked about. AWA. Yeah, AWA once they stole was, all was those guys. the precursor to WWN. It was in, based out of Minneapolis and did a lot of Winnipeg shows. WWF dominated. Yeah. They tried to do the right thing and recycle on and move on to new guys. Oh, Hulk Hogan's played out. These guys are played out. They tried to move on. WCW, which is owned by Ted Turner, they had billions of dollars. They eventually merged. They had the Time Warner AOL thing. Okay. They had gazillions. So they bought all the old guys. They brought in Hogan and Macho Man and Is all that. Is that Hollywood Hogan years? Yeah. Okay. So they brought that in, and they basically were like, screw it. We're just going to give you what you wanted in 1987 and do it all over again. And that's what people wanted. So they – So the people responded to that. They started yeah. to dominate. And they really came up with the best idea ever. They knew what every fan wanted to see. Imagine if the two federations could go against each other head-to-head. So they pretended – they faked that Hulk Hogan was not working for them. They, when they brought Hulk Hogan in, they claimed he was still working for that other organization. They tried to pretend he was still working for Vince <laughs> and convinced the fans that you were seeing him like rogue interfering with their show. <laughs> Did people believe this? It was too cool not to. <laughs> okay, all right. All now, right. they realized they couldn't use the name. Right. So they called it NWO, New World Order. They even had the word, word world in it. It wasn't World Wrestling Federation. It was the New World oh, Order. Oh, that's their name for WWE or WWF. Yes. Okay, so they, it was him it. and all the other ex-WWF guys yeah. formed a team, and they just came in and beat the living shit out of, of all the, the WCW. WCW guys week in and week out. They eventually got into a problem where they were the good guys, but they were also the bad guys. But everybody liked them. Yeah, yeah they right, were really right. confused. We just made the group 
that's a rival to us, cooler than ourselves. <laughs> so they really started tangling themselves up. But it didn't matter because they were killing the WWF. I'd say by, like, end of 95, WWF was about to go out of business. Really? They had been driven into the ground. They had been beaten by their own people. And they but were... Didn't they have a Razor... Uh, hold on. Okay, okay, sorry. Ra- no, oh. see, Razor Ramon was NWO. They, all those guys moved over. They all went, okay. Yes, they had pretty much no one left. And they didn't have the money, either. And... Brett Hitman Hart, Canadian? That was, like, their one guy okay. they had left. Yeah, good luck. You're putting Brett Hitman Hart up against Hogan and Razor Ramon and right. Diesel and Macho Man and Sting. They were hopeless. And they didn't have the money. And they were owned by Ted Turner. They owned the cable networks. Right. They could have as many and, shows yeah, as they, they wanted live. Just, yeah. It was... They were going out of business. They were done. This was Steve Jobs getting fired from Apple. Okay. He will never come back. Right. Well, they decided, wait a minute. Maybe there's one thing we could do. What's the one thing that all the kids that grew up as wrestling fans who are now 20 years old are wishing wrestling could be? Why don't they curse? Why don't they, like, have chicks? Why don't they, like, make it real? Like, these are supposed to be tough dudes, but they dress like cartoon characters. <laughs> that... That's not the way it should be. Right. That was fine when you were six years old. Yeah. But now that you're 20, why would you want that? Let's just make them seem real. So they had one of the last dudes they had left, Steve Austin, who was had no gimmick at all. He just wore black tights and boots. <laughs> yeah. And they had him beat up Jake the Snake Roberts. Mm-hmm. And he said, this is like the first time these words were ever uttered in wrestling. Jake Roberts had been an alcoholic, still is, I believe, in real life. Said that he found Does God. Is that the snakes still or no? Still the snakes. Okay. Uh, he was an alcoholic, but he had found God. And that had brought him back into wrestling, and God had saved him. He gets beat by Steve Austin. Steve Austin says... God, you can hear your passion. Oh, this, this is so good. This, is cha- this changed the world, this line. Okay, okay. This changed uh, the world. I'll, I'll be the judge of that. They are going out of business. Yes. Steve Austin says... Can I do the voice, too? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You talk about your Psalms in John 3.16... Well, Austin 316 says, I just whooped your ass. <laughs> and the crowd was like, he just said ass. Right. A wrestler just said, I kicked your ass. We've been waiting for this our whole – wrestlers would say everything but kick your ass. Every promo was about kicking your ass without saying it. <laughs> without, without, yeah, he the said word. it. Right. Lo and behold, like the next night on Monday Night Raw, every fan is holding up a damn sign that says Austin 316. And they're like, screw it. Let's go with Seems it. Seems like it works. Yeah. They don't have anything left. Let's just make it. And they just kept pushing it more and more and more. Now, WCW could not compete because Ted Turner wanted it to be family entertainment. He wouldn't allow cursing. He oh. wouldn't allow chicks. Jane, nope. Jane said Jane put her yeah, foot down. Jane put her yeah. foot down. She was protesting Vietnam. Right, right. <laughs> doing her fitness aerobics. <laughs> right. He wasn't allowed to show blood. They couldn't curse. They couldn't have chick stuff. So WWF is like, we got one chance left. We can go full smut. <laughs> That's our chance. Right. So they, they played that to the hilt. And then... In the most brilliant move ever, Vince McMahon, the owner of it, introduced himself as a character. He admitted oh, yeah. he, he hadn't was, been a character then. He was just an announcer. Oh. Finally, one day in the show, they have an interview. He's just the announcer. You're not supposed to know he owns it. He interviews Steve Austin and says, you need to calm down. Why haven't they suspended you? You're saying things. You're, we have to bleep you. You're giving the middle finger. You can't yeah. do this on TV. Yep. And Steve Austin says... Why are you asking why you haven't done anything? You're the boss. You're the owner of this. You don't want to stop it because I'm giving you ratings. And we're like, they're talking about behind the scenes. They are admitting it's fake. They are admitting he's the – they're talking – I can't believe this. Bombshell. Yes. 
So then they set up this awesome storyline of Vince is the evil owner, which he is in real life. He really is, right. right. He needs to stop Steve Austin from cursing because they're going to get in trouble. Yep. So they have to fight each other. They form a rivalry. And now every person watching it falls in love with, we are now watching the poor employee fighting the, <laughs> the evil the billionaire boss. boss. Right. The great – who could not root for this? Right. And the more trouble they got into – got to figure out a way to get you and Davey in a ring. You know, the and evil. People were, yeah, yeah right, the evil. Right. He needs to pay more purse money. Ah, why is Glenn Helen not on the schedule? Ah. He finally brought Glenn Helen back, but why can't we'll, we'll make yeah, it right? Right. And then, even better, the more smut they had, the more they would get in trouble. Yeah, they, they got getting. into like chicks who were barely dressed around this time. Oh, eventually, they, one of the characters was a porn star. Oh, okay. I mean, they, yeah, yeah. they went as far as you could uh, possibly go. I yeah. mean, they had. Not even – I don't even think you could say borderline racism. It was just straight-up racism, <laughs> full-on homosexuality. Like, they came up with anything they could, and yeah. Ted Turner couldn't do it. Right. He couldn't fight this. And this is what made Poor it so Ted. great. You would – they would get in trouble. They would march Vince McMahon out on 60 Minutes or yeah. Access Hollywood or whatever. They would bring up these clips. They would crucify Vince as an evil, scheming billionaire who's corrupting your children, mm-hmm. making them watch this stuff they shouldn't watch. And by the way, wrestlers are going to kick his ass on the show on Monday night. They're going to beat the shit out of him on the show. Right. The guy who was corrupting your kids, we we're going to watch him get his ass kicked and humiliated. Vince is like 50 at this point, right? But, but he was roided out. Was he? He oh, was Vince, huge. Vince was roided out? Oh, I didn't huge. know this. I the 21-inch guns, and I believe every inch of it. He was huge. He had no wrestling skills at all. But, I mean, the embarrassment. They had a time where... If you where, could interview Vince McMahon, would that be the ultimate? Your ultimate? Would it that would be, be pretty good. I mean, would it be... It would be... The questions I have to ask. I mean, he... It would be like Wardy in Bel Ray, where he was like, wow. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. Vince would be, wow, this guy. Except wrestling has always had that weirdo cultish thing. I think I would just be one of many. One of those many. Yeah, okay, right. one of those many freakazoids. I wasn't <laughs> right. living in my parents' basement, right. at least. Yeah. And I wasn't hideously overweight. But otherwise, I was probably like most of those guys living right. in their basement, eating Cheetos or Funyuns or whatever they say they do. So, this, to me... You're a comic book superhero guy from Simpsons. Th- exactly. Right. They're just wrestling right. fans, right. Best ever in <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> uh, so, they put together this brilliant scheme. They just, they didn't have the money, they didn't have the TV, they didn't have the stars, but they outsmarted them. They came up with this indestructible way of, we will have smut, we will get in trouble, but the guy that's doing it will get his ass kicked, he's the boss, you'll all like this. <laughs> and they, within about a year, they went from being beat in the ratings to beating them. And we remember, well, my buddy and I going to, in Jersey, get a lot of wrestling, because they come to Philly, New York, yeah. and New Jersey. And we were there one night of Monday Night Raw, where they finally took the lead back in the ratings. Stone Cold won a title for like the third time. They took the lead back in the ratings, yeah. and they flipped it. And then WCW tried to respond, but they were, as they said, they had too many chefs in the kitchen. They couldn't. They just weren't as smart as Vince. They couldn't come yeah, up with a cohesive right, right. storyline to compete with this, and they couldn't. Well, they wouldn't smart. lower themselves. Yeah, they wouldn't lower themselves. Too. Yeah, but you could also tell that all those old wrestlers had too much control. Like okay. they all wanted to be too cool. Vince was like, "You're doing this, or you're fired." Mm-hmm. This is what's best for the show. Suck it. And you were living in Jersey, going to these, re- going to these rest. Yeah. Reading. Would you read about during the week? Would you buy it, magazines? I was never I mean, into you... wrestling as much as Monica. I would never read magazines. Okay. I thought that was going too far. Okay. If you invested two or three hours watching it on Monday yeah, yeah, yeah. and maybe a pay-per-view once a month, you the, didn't need to do more than that. 
I mean, I remember this is of course the late '80s, but mm-hmm. the Saturday night. What was it called? Was it a Saturday Night Main Event? Yeah. Was that Which what it was, was uh, once a month instead of Saturday Night Live. Huge. Oh, man, it was it, good. I mean, we would, you know, like you're tired, you're 15, 14 years old, you're like, I'm really, uh, got to stay up. It's yes. Saturday Night Main Event. Like, this is the biggest thing ever. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and you could compare that to the other shows that I have at the time. Right. It was like 50 times faster, more action-packed, yeah. crazier yeah. stuff going down. Right. My favorite moment ever on Saturday Night's Main Event, because I think it was done live, uh, Hogan is fighting Macho Man. And there was they a were love triangle. Fighting over the chick. Yes, yes fighting yes, over the chick. Yes, yeah. They were backstage when Macho turned on Hogan. Oh, you remember this? Oh, yeah, because Elizabeth was sick. And he, Hogan, and, right? she got run she into. She got hit, okay. Yeah. And Hogan brings her back during the match and is tending to her. And yeah. you're like, he's going to start making out with her. Yeah. She's unconscious. He's going to sexually molest her. <laughs> Macho Man's in the ring getting beat up by two guys because yeah. Hogan left with his chick. Yeah. This is the best part of it. You remember this one? Uh, well, who could forget? This was huge. But here's what you don't remember. Okay. They go to. they. Vince had this brilliant idea of they had to take commercial breaks consistently yeah, because it's on NBC now. Well, wrestling, the pace of wrestling doesn't really work for that. <laughs> right. So they would have to have several moments during the show where the announcer would just be like, it's out of control. We can't figure out what's going on. we got to go to break. Like, we can't even handle it. We have to take a break and reset <laughs> things. So they go to break with Hogan in the back, like, about to make out with Elizabeth. And he's yeah. saying, oh, my God, Elizabeth. Oh, my God, Elizabeth. Oh, my. He doesn't have any other lines to say. He's waiting for the commercial. <laughs> right, right. He's just saying it over and over. <laughs> And Vince finally says, it's out of control. We got to go to break. They come back from break. Hogan's still saying, oh, my God, Elizabeth. Oh, my God, Elizabeth. He apparently doesn't know they've come back and it's time to go on to the next thing. Yeah. And he finally just says, somebody give me a cue here. Somebody no, he doesn't. No, he yes. doesn't. And finally you hear Vince say, all right, we're back here. And then Hulk goes into the next set of lines. <laughs> This was on Saturday Night Main Event. Yeah, we were rewinding it. My dad's like, my dad liked the wrestling too. Yeah, he's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. He just said somebody give me a cue, <laughs> and then you hear him say somebody give me a cue. Vince instantly says, "All right, we're back," and then Hogan switches into the next set of dialogue. Jeez, uh, <laughs> I yeah, I don't remember that. Yeah, but I do. And then yeah, Macho Man thinks he's yeah. cheating in the back, right, and he's right, getting beat right, up. Right, right. And then, Those yeah, shows and were then so I well think done. I think Macho's holding a razor in his hand because he goes, ah, yeah, yeah. And then next thing you know, it's blood everywhere. You know what I mean? Like, and we would obviously get made fun of a lot for <laughs> liking the wrestling, clearly. But I still will always say the smorgasbord that, of Euro chicks, not quite matching, not up. into this. Yeah, we tried to figure out ways to get chicks involved in the backyard wrestling. Impossible. <laughs> Shocker. Yes, yes. And in those days, by the late nineties, on the real shows, the girls were an integral part. So yeah. us not being able to replicate that yeah. really made it difficult to say we were doing it like the real wrestlers and, were doing. And you guys just went to town. I mean, videotapes and and skits and yeah, you had different characters, and you could see in the evolution of these backyard wrestling tapes. <laughs> eventually, you guys got like a real ring, like in that garage, <laughs> yes. in that one garage. Ropes. You, you yeah. got ropes, and you got yep. you know lots of mats. It kind of yep. started off cheese ball and. Started getting more props and, and yeah, because we did it, and then you two, did it in the backyard of somebody's years? deck too. Two or three years, yeah. yeah, and it did evolve quite a bit. Like from not knowing what we even wanted it to be right. to we eventually got laser focused, green laser focused. Yeah. To we thought it was so hilarious to see Vince McMahon get marched down on these shows and try to defend himself. Yeah, and it would be the same thing. They'd show a clip. We just watched an old clip last night of Bob Costas showing Vince a clip of him making one of the chicks take her top off for him to not get fired. <laughs> and then him trying to find a way to defend that and wiggle his way around it. Right. So we we were mocking that. We would do even worse. Right. And then have our own version of Vince try to defend it. And it 
of course, we had to go even further. Right, right. Uh, I mean, we talked yeah. about the rape character. Yeah, yeah. yeah I know we brought rape yeah. up. Um, yeah, checking older podcasts. So we even had that. mock news shows chastising the wrestlers, or we would say that we would get a letter from the WWF. You're obviously copying, Co- and we're going to sue you. And then we'd try to prove the differences between them, and they were like, right. the different, it was like Vanilla Ice when he said he didn't steal. <laughs> right. There's a ding in there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, mine goes ding, 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 ding. Yeah, yeah. right, right. It's the same thing. Um, he has a goatee. My guy has a beard. So at like, what like point – so this is back in wrestling is going on. You mm-hmm. can clearly tell you're passionate about yeah. it. At what point does it switch to motocross? Well, remember, I wasn't totally done with the backyard wrestling until uh, we had eventually merged with the Hitchens guy. We just couldn't resist. <laughs> the smartest kid in school who threw his life yeah. away for wrestling. Right. Eventually, he and our other buddy Tony were the co-promoters of our backyard wrestling. Right. Somehow the Hitchens guy met a local – you got yeah. You got a big shot, a big With a time real shot. wrestling promoter, yeah. Real being relative, but he was holding <laughs> events in like right. the Kmart parking lot. No joke, the yeah. actual Kmart parking lot, uh, Jackson, New Jersey. Like, what was it a fire? Was it a firehouse? firehouse, firehouse, and Atlantic City. the Atlantic City was the the big one. Yeah. Um, somehow, our, the, our buddy Dave Hitchens got hooked up with this wrestling promoter, and he, he actually liked your guys' stuff. Yeah, and he got us in. We did two events. We were atrociously awful. <laughs> and, but I remember the night before the first one thinking, okay, this it's Friday. It. Our match is Saturday. By Sunday, our lives will change. <laughs> right, right. Definitely we're thinking that. Yeah. By Sunday, Mounds we will be the coke, yes. chicks. Money. I mean, yeah, money. Vince will be sending the limo down. Right, right, right. I don't know why it didn't occur to us that none of us were taller than six feet. Right, right. Not a single one of us was six feet tall. None of you were roided out or anything. No. Right, right. Why did we think we could pull this off? <laughs> Like when you stand in a wrestling ring, you watch wrestling your whole life, and every one of the dudes is six foot five. Then you stand in it and realize how small you are. Right. I don't right, know what we were. Yeah. <laughs> and this was uh, the the YMCA or whatever mm-hmm. was when you were announcing, and the and the guy was grabbing you, choking you. Well, this you, was and the it all built up to their big one was going to be at the Atlantic City Convention Center. Now, Atlantic City Convention Center is such a perfect place to show ruination that in the movie The Wrestler, take a wild guess. Oh, is that really? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. New Jersey crap wrestling Atlantic City Convention Center is such a stereotype. They, that movie is what they used, and we also had our event in that building. That's crazy. Yeah. Right. I, actually, I think you told me that before. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, so. They were like, let's look for the perfect, stereotypical, scummy, backyard wrestling. That's where it's going to go there, down. And that's where you yeah. were. Because right. Atlantic City is a sad, why do I say Atlantic It's Asbury Park, not okay. Atlantic City. Sorry, okay. Asbury Park. Atlantic City's all right. It's got its own problems. Yeah. But Asbury Park is where it's at because – uh, in the like 1920s, before you had airplanes, really, if you're from New York, that's where you went on vacation. So all the people from New York would go on vacation a half hour away in Asbury Park. Then they came up with planes, <laughs> and people started buying cars, and you could go anywhere you wanted. Right. No one goes there anymore. The place is garbage. So we, like everyone else, I mean, literally, there were rats running through there and all that. But this is where Springsteen got his start. For yeah, some reason, that, that sounds yeah. familiar, like Asbury Park. Greetings like, yeah. from Asbury Park okay. is his big album. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. 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 So for some reason, that dumb promoter, says, this is our big event, and we want you guys to script it. We've seen your tapes. We know you guys Brilliant. can write stories right, like right. no one else. Make sure you work the serial killer in. Yeah, the serial killer, concrete, oh, okay, serial yeah. killer. Uh, it was a t- we couldn't quite exactly replicate. Hannibal? Yeah, we couldn't have rape per se, so we had to change it up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, you guys sold out to the man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, rape wasn't. It might have worked, actually. I don't know. <laughs> I, that'd be your call. Um, so we, he said we could script it, and we 
for some reason believed it would actually work. So our buddy Dave writes up the script. He gives it to these dudes who have been wrestling for 30 years. They're right. 50-year-old, roided-out, grizzled veterans. And we think for some reason they're going to listen to us. So I'm the announcer. I'm the guy, like, pumping people up. It was called Wrestlepalooza, and they had an hour and a half. It was supposed to be, I think, a 20-minute right. concert, but it was an hour and a half concert. Now, Colin over here was the owner or the pretend owner of the whole you thing. You weren't yet, I don't think. Oh, not yet? He discovered oh, something that oh. night. So I was the announcer. Oh, yeah. The concert to warm the crowd up went on for an hour and a half. So the wrestling doesn't even begin to like 9 o'clock. Uh-huh. Now the families are pissed off. We came to see wrestling. We had a rock concert for an hour and a half. We hate you guys. The first thing they see I the wrestling. I imagine the band wasn't exactly top-notch either. No. I'm sure, right? No. So I come out as the announcer, and I'm wearing a suit. And if there's anything wrestling fans know, wearing a suit, that guy sucks. Yeah. He's the one that probably took all our money <laughs> for these tickets. Yes. So I come out to announce this event. You know, announced the first match, right. and they're already booing me and throwing crap at me because I'm clearly the owner. And I remember clear well this old guy grabbing me by the shirt and saying, I spent $80 to bring my grandkids here. We want wrestling. And he's grabbing me by the shirt. And I'm like, why do they? Oh, I'm wearing a suit. Yeah. They think I run this. Right. Uh, first Maybe match. you're like 19. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. exactly. First match, we have it all scripted out. They don't follow it at all. Second match, we have it all scripted out. They don't follow it at all. I'm like, what is going on? This right. is falling apart. Then we have a match where my actual buddies are in. Our one buddy separates his shoulder in it, uh, but he doesn't want his parents to know. <laughs> they didn't want his parents to know he got hurt. So he separates his sh- I'm wondering why he's sitting in the corner not moving. His arm is like out of the socket, <laughs> not doing anything. When the day was over, he had to figure out a way to leave without his parents knowing he was hurt. Yeah. So what we came up with is he held a cup of soda which was essentially the same posture you would do with yeah, a sling. Yeah. He was really holding his shirt to support his arm and just waving, see you later, I got to go. And then we brought him to the hospital where we sat there at like 3 in the morning with his arm out of the socket. So right. our guys got hurt. Right. The crowd hated us. Right. They didn't follow the script. That was the end. That was it. That was, it. That was the big break, literally, and then the yeah. break. Right. And the only thing I think we learned was my buddy Colin here was like, hey, so this... if you pretended you were the 19-year-old owner, the crowd would get into that. Yeah. So you actually did become the fake owner. What was your name? You had a name, right? Pierce Hamilton the third. <laughs> Pierce Hamilton the third. Yeah. But in that one, in that Asbury Park one, is the crowd was hating me so much that this guy nine one one. That's another one you guys can go and type that into YouTube. Nine one one. Type in nine one one ECW. Okay. Yeah, he's probably dead like the rest of them. <laughs> right. Uh, he. His big move was the choke slam. And you hear the music, his music would kick up, and you just knew a choke slam yeah, was coming. Yeah. So I'm in the ring announcing the next match, and all of a sudden you hear, and I'm like, hey, that's 911's music. He's not supposed to, his match is like not till the end of the night. What's the deal? He comes in and puts the choke hold on me, and the crowd's pumped because I'm the guy that took all their money for this rock concert they didn't want to see. And he's choking me, and I'm like, what the F am I going to do? I've never taken the chokehold bump. He's like six foot eight. I'm really going to get hurt. This is not supposed to happen. I'm just the announcer. Yeah, and he's doing this, and the crowd's pumped, and the microphone's a wired microphone, and I'm not, I guess it's like wrapped around my arm or something. I'm trying to like prevent myself from getting killed. <laughs> right. And the microphone's dangling, hanging, and he's yelling, ah, and I hear over the microphone slowly but surely, have remedy. Pull me off you. Have somebody. And I'm piecing it together, piecing it together. I'm like, have someone. someone pull me off you. That's what he's saying. So eventually I start motioning. And I guess wrestlers, they just know they it. Just know yeah, it. it's Guys go time. Just came it's out go time. Re- yeah, yeah, they just came out. This was not supposed to happen. 
they just knew to come out, and they rescued me, and the crowd was like, oh, they almost had them. They almost, right. They probably would have come back next week to see me get, finally get mine. And I realized wrestling probably wasn't going to work out. That, so, again, you went full bore into wrestling. I went like full bore into, yeah. Right into wrestling. Yeah. yeah, I gave it everything I had, realized there probably wasn't a future in it for me there, and uh, I didn't want to take the, the bump. Yeah, yeah. Or really for anyone, as my buddy here <laughs> right, says. Yeah, right. it really wasn't for anybody. Uh, <clears throat> so then uh, I was done. Like, I had graduated college at that point. I had no prospects, You man. were like my dark years. I was my dark year. Okay. It was year 2000. I was done with college, and I wasn't going to get a job wrestling. What can you do? Yeah. Now, mind you, in the year 2000, we had the greatest economy in the history of the civilized world, I believe. <laughs> the lowest unemployment rate ever. But I was like, if I can't get a job in wrestling, what am I going to do? Yeah. I could have gotten a job easily. I could have gone to like New York City and handed out resumes and had five offers that day. Right. It was the greatest economy we'd ever had. And I was like, what am I going to do? Wrestling didn't work. That's it. Yeah. It's only... So I sent a letter to Racer X just to see if I get a letter published in the magazine. Yeah. Um, and Brian Staley, who was one of like the three employees I had at the time, was like, hey, that's a really good letter, man. We're definitely going to run it. And I'm like, oh, I can write stuff for you all the time. And he's like, well, we're starting a website. We wouldn't pay, but if you want to ever write anything, if you go to any races or something. So I literally decided, I was like. How yeah. long from like your wrestling dreams being crashed to? It was like a day. Oh. Okay. I, was, I think it was August 23rd. It's a dark day. Yeah. It was August 23rd because I still have the poster for that wrestling event. Like the next week, I sent the letter in. And I was like, if I get a full-time real job now, I'll be working at a public relations firm, working 80 hours a week for 20 grand. It'll be over. Mm-hmm. I'll never have time to go to motocross races. So I literally enrolled in graduate school with no plan to get a graduate degree. <laughs> the goal was go back to college for one more year. Don't do crap. Yeah. Don't even worry about the degree. Put off my life a little right. bit. Right. And go to as many races as I could yeah. and try to make this Racer X thing work. Yeah. And that's what I did, and it actually worked. And it actually, yeah. Yeah. I basically lived off credit cards for a year, you know, slept in my truck driving Atlanta Supercross and High Point and Unadilla and blah, yeah. blah, blah. Just to cover it for free for Racer X. Yeah, I'd write right. columns. You know, it was awesome. I don't remember any of this. I was a mechanic, obviously, by then. Yeah, and 2000. I was reading the website, you? KTM. Yeah. Kelly Smith. 2000 and, High Point. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, first ever KTM win. Um, mm-hmm. 2000 and 2001. And I remember blogging, of course. That's kind of how we met a little bit. Or me but that was years it. later, yeah. Yeah, that wasn't yeah. the time. Yeah. Yeah, 2001. But, I mean, it was so weird. Like, the website, they were probably putting up two or three stories a week. I don't even know if they had Racerhead yet oh, at yeah. that point. Yeah. Maybe it was just getting right. started. Just kidding. It was a great time to get going because it was just uncharted territory. Anything went. Anything and went. And so some kid sleeping in his truck going to Atlanta, we'll run his column. I remember I got a story published. Would you in the- interview any of the riders? No, no. no. Uh, the first, I, I wrote a story about the Nationals in 2000. The story got published. and then In the magazine. In the magazine, yeah. yeah. And they paid me 400 bucks for it. I couldn't believe it. Right. I got paid. Right. Uh, and then it came out just before that year's uh, Race of Champions race at Englishtown. So oh. I was like, now I'm going to come in as the guy who wrote for Racer X. Remember me? I used yeah. to flag. So I see Steve Bruin there. Everybody knows Steve Bruin at this time. Right. He's like the pioneer, right? So I'm like, uh, hey, man, I'm Jason. I'm the guy that had that national story in the latest Race Rex. And he actually did remember that. And he's like, yeah, I was wondering if that was like a fake name or what, because I'd never even like heard that name. And I'm like, yeah, that was me. Yeah. And he's like, so you work here? I'm like, yeah, I'm a flagger. And again, like, just, uh, yeah. Oh. Uh, um, and then now, their test story to see if I could handle an interview was Chad Watts. Oh. He gave me Chad Watts' number, and they said, you got a week to come up with a story. Here's his phone number. See what you can do. I mean, you call the guy, you interview him, you write a story with some quotes. It was right. easy. 
Now, would you transcribe it while you were talking to him, or how, would you record it? I think did... I did transcribe as I was talking. Yeah. I didn't even know how to record. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hell, he didn't have any money. He didn't have equipment. Right. I was faking so my way through So you wrote a feature school. on Chad Watts? Yeah. Oh. Man with the Golden Wrench. So I wrote a story about the races. No, nobody asked about me? Like, nobody, like, I was... Yeah, the, nobody... uh, the bronze wrench, maybe? Nobody said, hey, uh, we got... Uh, Kelly Smith's mechanic. We got Mathis or Watts. Yeah, we have Carmichael's uh, mechanic or Kelly Smith's. Right, no one that didn't come up. We have mm. we have Ty Birdwell's mechanic <laughs> doing a lot of great things. Spike looks good. So I got uh, the two stories in the mag. That's when they started letting me do the web stuff. And uh, now Indy Supercross in 2001, I, I meet Davey, and he's like, "These are the magic words. You ready? <laughs> Every mistake I thought I had made in my life would come back." No, it wasn't a mistake. It was all for a reason. Davey's like, hey, do you know anything about quads? <laughs> and I'm like, Just in your I? wheelhouse. Just do in your I? wheelhouse. I'm like, I've been riding quads since I was five years old. And he's like, well, we're starting a quad mag, and we're looking for an editor. And I didn't They had a quad need... mag? They were going to start a quad mag is the, <laughs> the significant okay. portion. They were going to start a quad mag. <laughs> I do not remember this. Yeah, they magical. were going to yeah, start yeah, a quad right, mag. Right. Is the, so uh, I didn't even need – I don't even think I needed to drink that night. Yeah. I was high on life. Right. Like I, you yeah. couldn't have found the purest cocaine. Would right. not imagine. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. be the editor of a quad magazine. It's all come together. It's, <laughs> My years of not riding dirt right. bikes has right. paid off. Right. I missed out on the Batman stunt show. Now we'll get this. Now looking back years later, Davy saying, "Hey, we're thinking about starting a quad magazine," and then not happening. We all laugh at we. Yeah, yeah of course, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. But at that time, they probably should have started one. Right, they were cash cows right, back then. Right. Uh, the magazine kept not starting, not starting. So I'm waiting to finally get a job, and every month or so, I email Davy, and he's like, "We're not ready yet." I'm in grad school for no reason, right. not really working, not yeah. really doing anything. Uh, faking my way through it. So time is running out here. I'm like, what the hell am I going to do? Right. Were and you still then, flagging? They go, I needed that 40 bucks, yeah. brother. Yeah. I needed that 40 right. bucks. Um, and then at uh, Broom Tioga National, 2000. 2001, sorry. Oh, Kelly Smith running fifth. Uh, really? Yeah, fifth. And then, uh, oh, 2001? 2001. This is the Langston Brown oh, never mind. year. It was 2000 he was running fifth? Yeah. yeah. The Langston Brown battle year. Binghamton on there. And this like, was uh, the mechan- we got into a fight and the mechanics kind of Williamson and uh, Brownie's English guy and a few lots of words exchange in the in the oh, yeah? uh, in that the practice day? in yeah practice two thousand one Binghamton uh, by the before you go on the start like lots of words going back and forth yelling and stuff wow Williamson oh, was um Langston's, Langston's guy, guy that yeah time? That lots of uh, lots of anger between the two teams wait so could I bag on Williamson for not lacing the spokes right in that rear wheel at Still City could I do that. I know it really wasn't oh, his it, fault. No, but I... wait, no. Williamson was working for Sellers. Yeah, Andrew, Lang- but Williamson was still involved in the argument. Okay, I yes, see. but he was working for Sellers. Yeah, no. Andrew Langston was working for Grant, but was it? He was his mechanic in 03. Williamson, yes, wasn't he? Yes, when, okay. when Langston won the title. Yes, right. Yep. Maybe that was a difference maker. Oh, oh. Um, yeah. 2001 Binghamton. Davy's like, hey, it's time to move out to Morgantown. We'll find a job for you. They had hired Pat Shooty. You remember Pat Shooty? Yeah. The Supercross PR yes. guy? Yes. They hired him to do PR for them for the summer. I guess he didn't really do too much, so they were moving on. Shocking. I mean, I think he was only planning on being there for a few months for fun anyway. Yeah. Um, but they had kind of, I think, identified the stuff they hoped he would do. It didn't all get done, so they were like, let's hire a PR guy. Well, we have this quad dude. We'll bring him in. Here's what's strange. Davey tells me 
Still City's next weekend. Get out here before Still City. We have a place for you to stay. And I'm like, all right, pack it up my shit. Wow, just like that, yeah. Yeah, I got five days. Big decision. I mean, you had nothing else going on, but still, you're leaving your hometown. I've been a year and a half kind of expecting to do this, though. So, hey. So, so I got like two days to pack my stuff. When do you deliver the speech to the flaggers? The speech. Well, it was funny. Um, Much like Martin Luther King's speech, JFK's uh, I Can Dream speech. Yes. There's your yeah. Jason Wygant speech mm-hmm. to his yeah, fellow yeah. flaggers. Four score, and that's yeah. not what your flagger can do for you. That's what you can <laughs> right. do for your flagger. Lots of memories, yeah. I'm trying to remember how this timing worked, because I know it was Binghamton to Steel City, which were back-to-back. Maybe there was a weekend off? Is that possible? Maybe. I feel yeah. like I was at, I know I was in English Town one last time, and at the end of the day, they were like, you ever watch Goodwill Hunting? Yeah. And at the end, it's the big thing that he does actually leave the small town, yes. and he is going to yeah, make something he, of himself. he does get out, yeah. And they're pumped that he's not going to be around yeah, anymore. Yeah, all his buddies want him to get. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember Ken Landerman, the boss guy, saying, be back next week? Nope. Moving to Morgantown working for Davy Coombs. And I'm sure he was like, WTF. <laughs> right. And I have not ever been back. Just yeah. the way it's worked. Yeah. I've always had something that weekend. I've Guys, it's been fun. i got to set down my yellow flag. And go work for Racer I'm going to set it down. Yeah. I am done here. Yeah. My work, work for race my race. work is done. Sure you are. Right. Yeah. yeah. Sure you Not are. Not a single flagger right. has ever moved Ult- on to any sort of work. Ultimate is mocking you. <laughs> we'll, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see you <laughs> next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, with the mask. <laughs> right. So he, uh, yes, I move out there to Still City. But here's what I don't get. Davey says move out there. Yeah. They give me the keys to an apartment. Clearly I've been hired. Right. They gave me a place to live. Right. But they don't really give me any assignments. They don't give me any work. They don't pay me. They don't give me a computer. I go to Best Buy and buy a computer. Uh, there's a GNCC in like two weeks, and uh, Brian's like, you really should go there, man. You really should go there, and I think the family would appreciate it if you could like do some press releases. So I'm like, all right. So I find out what local newspapers are in the area of that GNCC. I send them press releases. I try to get some papers to cover it. Still not getting paid. I go. No one there knows who I am. This is so racer I'm still not like, getting right? paid. Yeah. Come I, on. This is I so- bought my own computer. <laughs> right. But I know they hired me because they've – I have an apartment. Davey said I have – They gave me keys to an apartment. Like I have a job, right? right, right. I don't – something's not adding up. I'm helping with the magazine. I've kind of taken the reins of You're GNCC. like the guy in office space who got fired, but he just kept showing up for work. Yes. Right. Yes. But I moved into the basement, <laughs> yeah. taking my stapler. Right. Right. Yeah, we know that guy. Yeah. So it kept uh, – it wasn't until uh, – it was like December. It was one of the first years they had electronic scoring, like where you could look up results on the internet, and it was a mess for GNCC. It was December, and they still didn't have the season point standings figured out. Oh, We had to have the banquets in January, because they couldn't figure out the results for like three months. <laughs> It'd be a mud race. They were using electronic scoring and not hand scoring. Yeah. It was still early days of anyone doing that, right. and an event that's that crazy, with that many riders and mud and... So I just remember Rita and I working to like midnight every night, just do stacks of results and papers through the year and trying to figure out, well, this was this and lap sheets and all this. And we were unscrambling it and unscrambling it. And that is eventually what earned my way into Rita's heart. And then. So she said, Davey, are we paying this guy? And Davey's like, I don't know. Somewhere like mid-December, she handed me money. And I'm like, I guess I'm getting paid now. And then I got handed money again, and then eventually they were at, Two weeks later, I got more uh, money. More and I'm like, I really am now working here. But what's funny is Davey still tells the story that I just showed up. But he, he, but he gave me keys he, to an apartment. Yeah, right. So I got hired somehow. Right. Half hired. Oh, that's yeah, funny. Yeah, yeah. Right. and there I am now. Right. The wrestling thing. 
I mean, there were many avenues I was trying to go into. Right. Many. I just somehow motocross, believe it or not, was the most easily it's, hired. It's very strange how, not strange, fortunate you went, like, wrestling is done. And, like, two days later, your letter is published in Racer X, and it kind of starts your relationship. Yeah. Now, I did have a letter published in the first issue. Oh, you did? Just by co- – I had written okay. in the newspaper, okay. and they switched over to the magazine. Right. So I did have a letter published. Jamie Little and I both had letters published in the first issue of the magazine. Jamie Little wasn't Jamie Little then? No. Oh. She sent a picture of herself and said, hey, I'm an aspiring model in the industry. Okay. And you, you sent know. a picture of yourself? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, looking good. Um, oh. And uh, she's gone on to much bigger things than me. Uh, wow. That's the story. Yeah. That's now, a Jason Wygant story. And oddly, once I was in once I was in the motocross thing, I, I kind of shut wrestling off. Like, I was done with it. Yeah. Like, I'm not – the last 10 years or so, I kind of barely know what's going on. Like, I don't have time for that, man. Yeah. I, I'm full moto nowadays. Yeah. It's funny that uh, – so when did Blogant start? Much later? Uh, 2005. Oh, was it 2004, that? Davey says – we're starting a local newspaper called The Racing Paper. We're bringing it back. That's how we started, and you're running it. And I'm like, dude, I'm balls to the wall. I'm working seven days a week doing 19 jobs. Like, yeah. And then I remember Davey just saying, F you, we're doing this. All you guys, you're doing this, you're doing this. We have to do it. We owe it to the locals. We turned their local paper into a national magazine. We owe that to them. Fair point. Okay. They don't have a local paper anymore. Because oh, that, oh, Racer X started off as a local paper? Yeah, I yeah like District 5. I always remember it. I mean, I read it as a mechanic, you know, when it came out. By then, it had already expanded beyond that. Oh, but at first, okay. like, 91 or something, it oh, was actually okay. around. All right. So, Davey kind of, I think, felt bad that the local paper became a national thing, and they didn't have a local paper anymore. Yeah. So, I understood where it was coming from, but, man, I was like, man, I'm stressed out. And then we also knew we would have to have a website. Right. And I was like, I don't have time to run a website and the paper and do my other jobs. And then I got hired to do the Supercross webcast. So now I was really getting stretched thin. So when I'm was like, that? When was the first year racer? Or Supercross uh, webcast? Vancouver 04, getting ready for 05. Remember the Canadian yeah. race yeah, in yeah. December? Oh, who can forget? Yeah. 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 So Vancouver 04 was my first one to audition for Anaheim 05. Okay. So uh, the newspaper launched. I was still GNCCPR guy. Now I had Supercross webcast. And I was like, well, screw it. I could probably keep the racingpaper.com website going if I just write a blog. I go to the Supercrosses, I got stuff to write about, yeah. and then I could technically say it's got an update every right, day. Right, right, Yeah, and that's how you, that's how we discovered each other. You liked the... Yes, I yeah. was a mechanic, and I liked the blog ant, and I'm like, this guy's talented and funny, and I only knew I you this. as the guy that would rail on Mike Farber, because Farber loved himself some Rhino. Right, Love right. Ryan Hughes. Yeah. And you were the mechanic that made fun of him every weekend. Well, you, Racer X, you guys produced a series of icon cards. Yeah, icon trading cards, cards. trading yes. cards. Yeah, and I mean Johnny O and David Bailey and the Bomber and Hannah, I icons. RJ Wardy icons. Yeah, when you're putting Ryan Hughes on an icon card, a man who has never won a title, 125 Supercross, <laughs> anything big bikes, never won in Europe, never won a title, probably only has five or six wins in 125 class only, never in the Premier class. And you're calling him an icon? I have a problem with that to this day. To this day. Still mad. Yes, that's bullshit. And, and Farber would come and be like, here's our I'm like, really, Farber? Ryan Hughes is an icon? I remember just walking by What's the next? Yamaha tent. Are you going to just put a pile of poop on there? Every morning we walk by the Yamaha tent, and I would just hear you yelling, icon, 
yeah. icon. And Farber just saying, mm, I love that Mathis guy. Mm, Yamaha guy. Mm, he's a funny guy. I like him. I, I just was upset yeah. at this. I was, yeah, and that's how he meant and, 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 making no, fun of Farber over the icon card. And you know me now. like You, you understand me getting upset about that. Oh, of and course. Really, you're right. Like that's – that was, would stick in your crawl. Yes, I was very offended, but and yeah. still to this day offended. Yes, icon. He's not, I mean, good, Rhino's you know great rider and accomplished rider. Icon of the sport? No. We have the rider of the year in race rex every right. year. Farber tried to get Rhino to be rider of the year in 03. That was his vote. He didn't win a title. <laughs> he, he didn't. But he was win the toughest. A, right. He was the toughest. He, he didn't race Supercross 03. And, <laughs> good he, point. and he got second in the outdoors. And he wants to be rider of the year. The toughest. <laughs> he was the toughest. He got robbed. Um, he got robbed. Right. No Troy Ohio. Right. Yeah, he had yeah. it. Sitting right in the gun sights. Well, uh, it's funny that, yeah, the, you know, Pulp MX all started because I was like, I got all these thoughts. Yeah. I want to put on paper, and Racer X doesn't want to run them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because, Fair point. I mean, they don't want to run, you know, rollerball. Or, and, you know, I understand. I wasn't yeah. upset, but yeah. there's nowhere to put these there's thoughts. There's no place for it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to start somewhere where I can put my thoughts. That's what and the blog that, was. And yes. that's what your blog was, yeah. and that's where Pulp started at. Yeah. I am just putting these thoughts down on paper. And. There's a place for that on Pulp. But, I mean, a yeah. small group of people like that. Yeah. yeah. It's not – CNN isn't going to have that kind of news. No. But there's a place for that cultish thing. I think so. Thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think every one of us – and I, Pulp has definitely become that. Every one of us have had a goal to be the underground. You know, that's even what Racer X newspaper was. Yeah. I believe DMXS wanted to identify themselves with that. That's what I want to blog and to be. That's what Pulp – is or has become or whatever. Everyone knows that when you go totally mainstream, you're not gonna. It's not gonna be as cool and edgy and groundbreaking. Mm-hmm. And everyone wants to cling to that. Underground. We know what's up. Right. We're, we're cool. We're still cool. Well, and and you know, kind of Brotocross started it. Yep. Underground. Uh, mm-hmm. And he has struggled a bit because once he, you're not underground. <laughs> Yeah, well, then I think he's more he kept it real more than anybody as far as being underground, but no yeah. one will advertise with him. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he's really underground and kept it really underground, and it is edgy stuff. Yeah. But it's, you got to be pretty rich to just do that. And eventually, like, with my pulp, like, I started having to cover more of the races that are going on now. To bring in advertising money. To, yeah, yeah. for people to, to, to in, make it worthwhile for me to keep going. Yeah. Because writing 3,000 words on Ross Pedersen. Yeah. And... Wasn't going to pay – nobody's going to read that. No. I mean, maybe 10 or 15 people would really appreciate it, but that's about it. Yeah, and that's so, why my life's dream is to do blogging again. I want to do it so bad. But the problem is the day is filled up doing the things that pay the bills. Yes, yes. And there's always another thing you can do to pay more bills right, first. Right. You will never get paid for that. I, I, and, you know, I sat down um, Unadilla this year. And I had this story about rollerball I wanted to read or write, and I've had it in my mind. I've been working on it and formulated and looking at old cycle news. And I wrote 3,700 words passionately in three hours about Ross Patterson's career accomplishments because I cared about it. I wanted to write about it. It sometimes takes me three days to write a story oh, about Ryan yeah. Delapoto. That's half the space. Yeah, that's yeah. half the space because yeah. you're like, ah, oh, okay, what I got to yeah. do? I gotta, yeah. yeah. So it just goes, there's always. Did this, you post it at least, though? What? The roller thirty seven hundred words. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. Thanks for reading it, jerk. Yeah. Yeah. I broke you down. Turned me off at the. Th- <laughs> I broke down the top ten accomplishments of rollerball. <laughs> so it could have been seven thousand words, but you did cut it off at ten. Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I did. Yeah, no, I did. Time. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, there we go. Uh, I'm gonna throw in one more. Um, 
this is probably the last time we talk about this. Is, this has become the wrestling podcast we always want to do. Yeah, I think. I think so. And I, I, if anybody's, I mean, I, I think some people will tune out, but that's that's too bad. <laughs> They'll definitely tune out if we ever do it again. That's why this is the last <laughs> right, one. Right. I'll even throw in one additional deeply personal part of the wrestling thing. Um, it was me and my buddy Colin and our buddy Tony were th- we hung out in high school. We were the half of the wrestling along with Dave Hitchens, the poor smart guy that blew him, <laughs> right, blew himself right. out wrestling. Poor Dave. Yeah. Uh, our friend Tony, at 23 years old, had a brain tumor, and in six months was dead. And that was just when I had moved. I moved to Morgantown. He had pretty much just been diagnosed. Yeah. And then by January, that was like again August, Steel yep. City, Binghamton time. And then by January, it was over. Right. So it was like this is it. This is sink or sw-. like I moved. The wrestling thing is over. Tony's, My life as I know it is over. Tony's done. My best yeah. friend is d- literally right. done at 23 for no reason. Yeah. Didn't smoke. Didn't. It's just the most random yeah. shit that could ever happen in your life. Like, it was a gnarly time. I'm not getting paid. I moved. Uh, my friend is dying. Yeah. I would, like, drive back to New Jersey on weekends. Yeah. Packing the funeral suit each time. Not knowing what's going to happen over the three days when I'm there. Yeah. I remember Christmas... Uh, 2001, hanging out with him in the hospital when he could barely like even function, and just being like, "This is it, like this Morgantown thing." Yeah, that's all I even got left now, and I don't even have anything going on there. Yeah, they've given me an apartment, but nothing else. Right. It was just th- those were definitely uh, uh, the first couple months. Obviously, I had other stuff going on besides not getting paid with my friend being in the hospital. Yeah, but it was inhumane treatment that I would not wish upon anyone. If I have one goal, it would be to never have someone go through that. Like I was homesick, confused, had an apartment but wasn't being told what work I was supposed to do, not getting paid. I should have been home while my friend was dying. It was a really, really bad time. So as always, when you get to a good spot, everybody wants to be there. And that's the thing I always bring up. Like, how did you you get to where you got? And I'm like, dude – First of all, I wrote right. quads. Yeah. Second of all, I was supposed to be hired for a quad magazine. <laughs> then I was covering GNCC quad races. I was a flagger. I was a I was a flagger. flagger. Right. Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, all right, man, I want no part of that. Yeah. You've got plenty of greaseball mechanic stories. I, yeah, I slept on the floor in an office building on an air mattress that I, rats would run around in. <laughs> Is this FMF? FMF, yeah. <laughs> I didn't have an address for three, three years, three or four years. Uh, no address. No mail. Like, I would live out of a what gear bag. What would you do? Live out of gear bags. What about not having – you had to get mail for something. No, nothing. Nothing. What? Nothing. How could I had you no live address. without being able to get mail? I had no address. I had nothing. Nothing would it, ever it, have to be mailed to you? Uh, I would – yeah, I guess it would, but I never – it was some address that I hadn't been at for two years. You know, at some point I'd give an address at some point. This is I, an amazing experiment. I didn't think it would be possible to live without mail. I would just sleep uh, – I would sleep, uh, uh, you know, like two or three – months or a couple months at different friends' places until I kind of felt like their wives or girlfriends were getting over a little, it. little edgy. Shane Drew was one of them. My buddy Jason and, and Camarillo, uh, Brian Staben. Like, I could sense tension about, like, when is this guy doing – Is I would, Pookie feeling that way about my buddy Colin and I being here right now? No, All I don't right, think so. Good. No, I think she's good. So, yeah. I, and, you know, actually my brother came down and stayed with me from F Honda days and was like, I would never do this. I would shower, you know, with the bucket of water. Like, yeah. like you just – you, you just want it. You just want it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. 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 You want it. You're in this. Uh, uh, it's this, so cheese you ball. You moved from Canada. You could not turn back. No. And that's the way I felt. I'm like, I cannot turn back. My ha- like half of my life, in, my best friend in Jersey has died. 
I tried going into several other industries and getting several other jobs. I spent a year faking my way through grad school I got just out of to magi- get this Magic job. Kingdom doesn't I got want out of the me. Magic Kingdom doesn't want me. Right. Car industry doesn't want me. Wrestling industry doesn't want me. I have no choice. I have to. Right. I mean, it sounds cheese ball. I wanted to, to it say. sounds cheese ball. I right. wanted to quit every day those first three months, but you could not. Right. You couldn't give it up. You had made in your mind. You had made it to the precipice. Like you had all you want is a shot at it, right? Yeah. You were getting a shot at it. You could not give up. No, I went to Germany to get a job, and yeah, it sucked yeah. there. And then I, yeah, I mean, I was making three hundred dollars a week on one team, and we're not even getting paid. Mm-hmm. I drove from Canada down to California when I was told you have the job working for Ryan Clark at Team, team D Marini. You are going to be Ryan Clark's mechanic. You were going to be Ryan Clark's mechanic. Yes, really. You have the job. You start Monday. Okay. Get down here. Get down here. Me driving my Aerostar down from Canada. I have a job. I'm starting. Uh, I got there on Thursday down in Corona, Wednesday, Thursday down in Corona. The guy, the, my boss, the guy who said, you have the job, would not answer the phone to tell me where the race shop was. That's not a good for sign. For a week. Not a good sign. So where were you staying? Staying with Ross Miles in Newport Beach with him and his chick. Yeah, could be worse. Yeah. That wasn't bad. Yeah. Um, um, would not answer the phone. Finally answered the phone. I'm like, Dave, you told me I had the job. What is going on? Oh, dude, I'm sorry. Uh, just, you know, this thing's happened, and I drove from Canada because you told me I start Monday. Oh, yeah, dude. There's been a lot of things going on, man. Oh, my a lot of things going on. I'm just like. God. He didn't at least give you keys to an apartment? No, no, I didn't even get that. <laughs> so now I'm in California, and I'm like, I can't go, I can't go back. You can't go back. I got to get a job. This was after PJ1 Extreme. When was D Marini? 99, 2000? It was 2000. Yeah, before, was that new? Yeah, I, th- oh. I started it before I started KTM. Oh, okay. I didn't think it was that so, team. Was, I thought maybe, it was older than that, but I guess you're right. Maybe after Tim Ferry then. 99, Tim Ferry. Ryan yeah. Clark was on that team? Yeah. Clark, Evans. Who else? Uh, Dean Marini. Uh, did they Schnell? Have, did they have... Um, uh, I don't know. Who's the other? Yeah, I'm trying to remember. Anyways. Yeah. That's uh, my, yeah, that's my point. Yeah, and you just... It sounds cheesy, but if you want it, you can make it happen. You can do it. You could not and, drive back to Canada at that point. No. You could not. No, I could not go back to New Jersey at that point. No, yeah. I mean, I'd been, you know, at some point, I'd already been a mechanic for two, two or three years, you know, and then I was back home for something in the yeah. off season, and then, mm-hmm. I, you know, whatever, I was kind of vagrant, so. Yeah, how to make it work. Yeah. Uh, it is the weird thing, I don't know if you feel this way, but I know I struggle with it every day. If you had told me that I'd end up where I am in those early years, I'd be like, it couldn't have worked out any better than that. That's better than working at Disney World. That's better than a wrestling star. That's better than any of these right. other things. It could not get better than this. I want to. You, you mean I'm going to get yelled at by agents and <laughs> and, and team managers? Okay, there's a few downsides. <laughs> but if you paint it with a broad brush, right. and so you work for Racer X, you do the television for the Outdoor Nationals. Right. It could not be any better than that, and I get paid for it. Right. Really? Yeah. It's because I was even worried. Like, man, even if you make it in motocross. Are you going to be living hand to mouth? Like right. you and I, I'll admit, you and I do okay now. You're We're able to feed our families. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You're 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 working at Racer X, looking at a, you know a, a young Mike Farber, and, yes. go, and going, geez, he doesn't seem to be getting by very well. Is that going to be? Is me? that going to be me? And, and... <laughs> right. <laughs> He's getting made fun of by this mechanic. Right. Right. Calling Ryan, he's an icon. Uh, but when you get there, you have to sometimes remind yourself of that. Like you, now I'm here and I'm like, man. I've been doing the Nationals for five years. I'm waiting. When's the TV network going to call with a million-dollar contract? When am I going to make it? But right. I'm already where I always wanted to be. You just never yeah. – and I'm sure you don't feel satisfied either, even though you'd be blown away 
to know that you were yes, a young yes, Steve Mathis yes, would have yeah, been yeah, amazed yeah. by no, this. No. Hey, 15-year-old Steve Mathis, you're going to get a free trip to Bercy. Yeah. They're going to pay for your hotel and flight, and you're going to get to watch three nights of racing in Bercy. Yep. I would have been like, no way. You are going to personally know. Would you like rider. my left nut right now or later? Right, right. When would you I like would. me to cut off my leg? Yeah, yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah, right. I will give you my arm right. to host these motocross races <laughs> yes, on TV. Yes. And now that I'm there, I'm like, Speed never hired me to do NASCAR and paid me hundreds of grands a year, hundreds of thousands of dollars a weekend. <laughs> right. What happened? What went wrong? Did you lack a catchphrase like catch, light the candles? Maybe that's what it is. But we'll, find out, we'll find out tomorrow night. Right, right. Find out tomorrow. Um, uh, yeah, no, you have to remind yourself. You really do. You have to yeah. look in the mirror and go, oh, that's pretty cool. I think the other thing that you wrestle with, though, is it's a small industry, and you know that it could be gone very quickly. We know people like that. Yeah. Right. I mean. We know people like that. I mean, okay, Eric Kehoe and Mike Fisher, for right. example, have yes. done a whole lot more than you and I will ever do. Yeah. As both racers and as high-ranking executives in this industry, I guess they're not even in it. No. I don't even know if they're working right, right now. So all you got to do is say one thing yeah. or have someone else that's not even involved with you do something that you just are associated with, and it could be over. Yeah. So maybe that's the other reason you can't be satisfied. Someone gave us a 30-year contract to do exactly what we're doing now for the next 30 years, then I'd feel good. But Yeah, you don't have it. No, you don't have it. You could be it. gone tomorrow. Um, yeah, and there it, isn't uh, – you know, if you were in other sports, you know, you could – if you were a broadcaster for the NFL and you lose a job at one network – you could get one for another. Well, there isn't. That there's really, nothing, no. There's only one no, here, really, yeah. you know? I actually was lucky to be one of the few guys to go from Racer X to Transworld. Yeah. Back to Racer X. Back to Racer X. That's pretty true. rare. Yeah. There's not, there's not a lot of magazines out there. There's not a lot of stuff going on. I don't even think the jobs we have existed when we were trying to get jobs. No. We've been very lucky how it's the sport or the world has And you guys us. at Racer X, for myself, yeah. you guys yeah. didn't want much to do with me. So I turned to my fellow Canadians, who were more than happy to have the podcasts. Wait, you had approached, you had approached RaceRex America first with these yeah, ideas. Yeah, yeah, no, I think I, I think I said, hey, I want to do more. Do you have a job now? Oh yeah. Do you have anything I can do now? Because Observations was first a RaceRex Canada yes. thing, right? Yes. But you had suggested it for. Oh yeah, no, I, I, well, I didn't maybe, know that. Not, maybe not like a suggestion of like, hey, can we do Observations? But hey, I would like to write more. Oh, do you really? have any money for a job? No, we do not beat it, kid. Yeah. Not ever. I don't know what it was right. said. But, uh, so then I'm like, well, my friends in Canada will take my stuff because they're desperate. It all goes it's, – it's, it's all that outliers thing. Like, neither you and I are saying that somebody, like, handed us the silver platter. But it always takes these weirdo things happening. Like, it's good that there was a Racer X Canada. Yeah. Because right. you were still somewhat Racer X-ish. Yes. Davey would check out their site, see your stuff. I would get in trouble. You so would get he, tr- he, he, would, he would be aware of something I wrote. He did love it at first. Yeah. Before he realized how much trouble it would cause. <laughs> right, right. I remember you did a running podcast, uh, running um, commentary on the webcast, the Supercross webcast. Yeah. And it was one of the funniest things we'd ever written, read because no one had ever done anything like that before. Yeah. You made fun of everything. Yeah. And we thought it was awesome. But we didn't know how much that would make the phone ring. Right. Later on, right? And I'm sure you didn't either. No, I don't think I did. No, no I don't think I did. No. I still, I still struggle with like that that part of it where I want to do that. The first time more. I ever experienced that was uh, one of those web columns I was writing when I was first writing for the website was about like Honda was sucking in those days. You know, the early 2000. They had lost McGrath. Cr- oh, they had tried to make a they comeback. Didn't get Carmichael with, yet? They, yeah, Yogi. It was right in between. Yeah. They had tried with Yogi and Wyndham and Tortelli, and they couldn't quite get back over the hump. They, they weren't winning like they used to. So I wrote a story on like what 
is the problem? Why can't they get there? But I dabbled on like why McGrath left and stuff like that. And apparently the Honda dudes called the office pissed off. Oh, yeah? Like, this guy, who is this guy? The facts aren't straight. They probably weren't. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't <laughs> they probably I wasn't weren't. at the races. How do I right, know? Right, you just right, know right. what you know anecdotally right. as a fan. And that was a big lesson. I'm like, oh, I didn't know that you can't just write an opinion thing and you'll get busted for it. Well, you can in many sports. Yes. yes not in this not, sport. That's what I found out. I, I would imagine you can't do it in IndyCar. Well, I know Tony, Tony George banned Robin Miller for a while. Oh, yeah? You know, yeah, for something he wrote about the IRL. Wow, really? And so I think if you're one of the big four, you can. There's so many media and so much. Yeah, yeah. But in our sport, you can't. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you really can't. That was a, a lesson that I had to learn. I didn't know that. Now, I wasn't even a rabble-rouser. I didn't even know I was. Right. But I looked at it. I'm like, hey, how come that column's not on the website anymore? They're like, oh, Honda called pissed off. We had to pull it down. And I'm like, oh. Yeah. Ooh, that happens. Right. And same thing with podcasts. I remember talking, and I said to Brian or Davey, like, I want to do these podcasts. And they were like, what? What are you talking about? Yeah. I'm like, I just, I want, I would listen to these. I'm only doing them because mm-hmm. no one has done them first. Yeah. But I want to hear Jeff Ward's story. I know Jeff Ward to a point where I can talk to him. Get and, this stuff. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and and uh, and then they were they weren't really either interested or didn't want to know to set up or didn't know anything about podcasting and I'm like well Racetrack Canada uh, and I remember it was a like how do we put an MP3 on the website ah like like <laughs> you know how do we align the planets basically same kind of deal was it on Racetrack Canada first yes so like the the this, second one that I did this was a January fifteenth oh eight podcast was on Racerx Canada. Oh, man, there was, was helping thirty out episodes of Racerx Canada, I think. Wow, podcast before eventually, Racerx was like, "Hey, it's pretty good." But I made it, I made it happen, and I'm not bragging, but I pushed for it, and I yep. wanted to do it, and I said, "We're doing it." And I bought the equipment, and I read all about it on the internet, and spent read all money. these books, spent money. Oh. You know, imagine all this stuff right here. I spent the very first podcasts were spent with uh, probably about including software. Same software mm-hmm. I use today, by the way. Well, $140. Really? Yeah. To do those first ones. I would have stick, stuck with that. I know you would have. Yeah. I, I wouldn't know. have spent another Instead, dollar. Instead, I got about six grand now and all this stuff. I lost my appetite. All I, right. Yeah, one lesson I'm going to say. If you, yeah. if you want the job of the industry, the point we're making here is you have to try to go where the other people aren't. No one was doing a podcast. No right. one was writing the type of stuff that Observations was and is. No one was really doing that. No one was really doing – no one at all was doing this, right? No one was doing PR for the GNCC series at right. all. No one really wanted to. Do you think anyone wanted to <laughs> – right. think anyone was like, dude, you know it would be awesome to get the local newspapers to cover the quad race in the woods? Yeah. So that's how you have to start. The advice I always give is the amount of times – I'm sure you've had a million people ask you for jobs and ask how yeah, you can or, get it. Or just say, I love, I love to do what you do. Yeah, I, I, I love your job. And then I say, "What? Well, what can you do?" And they'll say, "I'll do anything." And I, my advice no. <laughs> always is, I'm like, "They're not. No one's hiring anyone for charity. We're not hiring anyone because it's your dream. Nobody cares about that. You have to tell the company, I can do this for you. Right? You hire me, I'll do this for you. So you had this idea of, I am going to do these podcasts. No one else is doing them. They will be good. I will do this for yep. you. Yeah. I'm going to write this column. No one else is doing this. I will do this for you." I will call the local newspapers and get them to cover the GNCC. I will do this for you. Right. No, and if you just say, I'll do whatever, you're really just saying, I just want a job bad because yeah. I want to have a job because I think it would be cool for me. You have to suggest something that can benefit yeah. the company that you want to hire you. So that's a good point. there's other edges out there. Yeah. I'm sure someone else can come up with something that's missing. And if all that fails, start, start a backyard wrestling league. 
That's right. Didn't uh, never paid very well. <laughs> Didn't pay at all. But uh, good. That's sixteen hours of DVD, baby. Can't take that. <laughs> never away from let us. those get out. I'm telling you, as a, as a friend, don't let those get out. I'm disappointed. I really thought if, we could show some cool if, stuff, but there's nothing I can show. If you know how you always read in the newspaper, like if you know somebody who was arrested or whatever, like we had a guy growing up who got who killed somebody in the drunk driving. Okay. Uh, you know, nineteen years old or whatever, mm-hmm. 20, 17, 18 years yeah. old. He killed a kid, and uh, you know, in the paper. It was like, you know, you read his name and you read like he's this is what he did. And you're yeah. like, I know that guy. That's not that guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You always yeah. read the newspaper and you're like, he seemed like you know, they interview the neighbors and they go, he seemed like such a nice, nice guy. guy. Oh, right, right. right. Yeah. yeah. Jeffrey Dahmer. Like he never made any noise. You know yeah. what I mean? He was yeah. a good, good Didn't tenant. seem like he was going to kill me. Well, I've seen those wrestling tapes. Mm-hmm. So if something happens with you, I'm going to go, mm-hmm. 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 And if the news people come to me, I'm going to go, oh, yeah. I saw the wrestling There's tapes. There's some wrestling tapes. He had this in him. Believe yeah. me. <laughs> wow. That could be my break. I could go viral. It'd be like my sex tape being leaked. <laughs> right, but by then, right. I would be a criminal or dead or <laughs> yeah. something. Yeah, it wouldn't, Damn it. It wouldn't work. Yeah, I can't run for president with those things around. Uh, Racer X beat, uh, podcast presented by BTOsports.com and Thor MX. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Two hours of goodness right here. It's fun. Uh, yeah. uh, trip through Emmy Lane. Uh, touch on Endurocross. Touch on... Uh, Kirk Caselli, touch on Jason Wygant's wrestling career, and some advice for people who maybe want to do some of this stuff one day. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks, Weege. See you, man. This has been the BTOsports.com podcast show brought to you by Racer X. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home. And once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know. And it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse. I mean, you know, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Go circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I pulled pitch and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. Been no problem. My my ego got in the way, you know. The O Show, Johnny Omar. Stuff that you could you sit there if you didn't want to ride it. You just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX on the iTunes Store to enjoy these and many more great podcasts. No, I